Episode 46? Yeah, it is. Wait, I don't know why that was a surprise. My, my notes even say episode 46. I, mm -hmm. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 46, the podcast where I'm just uncomfortable. I couldn't help but notice in the trivia that the guy who plays Seth is the guy who plays Dad. Dad. It's the guy who plays... <laughs> he plays Dad. Capital D, Dad. It's the same guy who plays Daniel's dad in Gamekeeper. I did not notice it somehow, despite his hair. And all I can say is I'm very glad he didn't get within, like, five feet of Daniel this whole episode. <laughs> yeah. No, he was too busy making a harem. Ugh. And on that note, I'm Mel. And I'm Liz. And today, well, we're just gonna deal with this episode. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. Uh, today we are covering season three, episode two. Aren't you proud of me? I didn't say season two again. <laughs> you said season one. You said season one, Did episode I? one. It was hysterical. <laughs> I reset. I was like, we're, we're starting all over again. Oh, right, because I remember I made the joke about how we could go back and re-record season one and probably no. double our episode length at this point. Ugh, yeah, no. No, no. No, no, no. Mel, do you want to know what dumb thing I just did? What did you do? It's, it's silly dumb, but it's still dumb. I was looking at you in the Zoom feed that I'm looking at, and I noticed that the light was a little bright in the upper corner. So I then reached up and tilted down my laptop screen. <laughs> Because I hate myself. There yes. you go. Thank you, Mel. <laughs> it's still gonna be there, but... No, 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 it's fine. Um, it was just the, it was the dual light sources that was making me get a Tatooine vibe. But yeah. But yeah, so, uh, season three, episode two, Seth. Yay. And the official synopsis for this episode is thus. When SG-1 hunts for a gold lord li lord? Why didn't they say system lord? Wait, just, wait, so it just says gold lord? Yes. Do they take out system because he's on Earth? What? I don't. Oh, I guess it must have been that. Yeah. No, Did that they makes they sense. Refer actually, refer to him as just a lord when he's on Earth in the episode. Do they so call him a system I... lord in the episode? I can't. Yes. Remember. Okay, then yes. that is really just hella stupid. Yeah. So when SG One hunts for gold lord living on Earth, they discover this powerful alien in the form of a religious leader with a heavily armed cult following. O'Neill faces off with both government agents and the cult in a fiery clash that may destroy them all. Okay, calm down, Edgelord. Sorry, so read that last sentence again, because it was, it was bullshit as fuck. Yeah, it was real bad. That's why I put it away. Uh, the last <laughs> sentence is... Oh, it's a long sentence. Okay, uh, O'Neill faces off with both government agents and the cult in a fiery clash that may destroy them all. I mean, not really. No, it's wildly inaccurate, but I guess it's better than saying, and then we do some uncomfortable PG sex harem shit that is gross and awful. <laughs> yeah, Twitch Twitch. That's all I got for that. It's just Twitch. Also, by the yeah. way, um, I don't think they did research on who Seth was, because I was going to leave it up to you to tell me um, anything about Seth, but you told me you didn't take any notes this week because you hate this episode. <laughs> So I'm doing some quick, hasty reading in the background, and I don't think they did much reading on Seth. <laughs> they, I mean, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh, never mind. One of his children is literally called So... Hold up, hold up. I do want to explain something here for you. Yeah. It actually goes in well to introing this episode, talking about it. Uh, so this episode was directed by William Corcoran. 
Kokoran. Kokoran. The guy that only did like three episodes in this show. Um, but yeah, so it's directed by that guy, um, which, see ya. I, there was nothing especially great about this episode anyway. I actually made a note about how much I hate the directing in this episode, mostly just yeah. because it's a piece of a shitty, shitty puzzle, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the, uh, the final piece of the shitty, shitty puzzle, and <laughs> an answer to your, I don't think they did much, much research on Seth. It's written by Jonathan Glasner. Oh, non-research man. Yes, the man who does no research. <laughs> he really confirmed himself here to the point to where he decided to have the characters yeah. also have the the no thoughts brain empty approach to planning that he does <laughs> apparently. I will say, uh I've mentioned before that oh god, what episode was it? Um oh, the one where Sokar was introduced when they once again tried to uh pitch um, an Egyptian god as the equivalent of the devil. Where I was like, I don't understand why you would go where you're going in with, you must fear this person, they are chaotic and evil and terrifying, but you had Mesopotamian gods to choose from. Right. And you stuck with Egypt. And it's kind of along the same line. It's like, well, if you're gonna choose... Because like I said before, Egyptian gods just weren't feared as much as like Mesopotamian gods. But if you were going to portray one of them as a villain, Seth is a fair one to do. Like, none of the gods were ever, like, friendly with each other. That's ho- that's a whole aspect of gods in mythology. Right. They're always fighting and trying to kill right. each other. Yeah. Uh, but Seth Seth is a fair one. I, I didn't honestly have any issues with them choosing to portray Seth right. in this way, right. really. My following words are not meant to contradict. <laughs> uh, I actually, I do agree. Um, that doesn't not track. Yeah. The thing that made me kind of laugh was during my, you know, very hasty reading. One of the first things my non-elf eyes saw was that supposedly here, yeah, where was it? Here we go. He was the Lord of the Red Desert Land, which made me laugh just because this takes place in like rainy ass Washington. I know. It should have taken place in Nevada. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. And that, what? So that was literally the only thing that made me think they hadn't read, but fuck it though. They could have gone to a goddamn library. Yeah. The thing is like, ultimately- like I said, it's fair in the way they need to use Egyptian gods in this show for mm-hmm. them to pick Seth for this, because he was kind of known as, like, quote-unquote, the first murderer uh, oh, for killing Osiris. Ah, yes, right here, as the usurper who killed and mutilated his own brother Osiris. Lovely. Yeah, that's a whole story. We're not getting into that. It'll take a while. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Osiris's wife was into some weird shit. <laughs> according to what I just read after that. Yeah, no, we're, you're right. We are not going to get into that because I don't no. want to. I just think it's really funny how people in these shows always tend to get the religions of other cultures hella wrong. How surprising. Right? <laughs> or they go for like the biggest, easiest stereotype or they'll take like one note out of the whole thing. Like when I saw Red Desert and when, yep, they just were wrong because this took place in rain. It's kind of like that where they just take one note and make that the entire element of the uh, villain or, or it's not villain, of the, um, Religious icon, whatever they're representing. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm more satisfied with their translation of Seth in this episode than I was in their over-exaggeration of Sokar. And there was also the other guy you hated who wasn't even remotely related to it in the... Who wasn't even yeah. a god. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember his name. Pelops or from, something? Um... Wasn't, it, wasn't it Pelops? Oh yeah, it was Pelops. Thank you. I couldn't remember because I was so annoyed by it. I was like, what? 
And I did so much research. I'm like, there has to be something here. There has to be something, some reason you chose this person. But no, you just like pointed in a book and picked up that name. I don't. Yeah. So yeah, we definitely have commented before on their um, somewhat hit or miss approach to the <laughs> gods featured, not just gods, the research featured in <laughs> particular episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, the good news is, in this one, the Egyptian mythology element is only one of many things that they did not do well in this. <laughs> it's one of the the less egre- the least egregious. <laughs> I mean, seriously, everything about this episode does not make sense. When you said your thing, when you texted me about that Walker thing, that actually it actually <laughs> made the episode a little better for me because it took one <laughs> element of it that was pissing me off ridiculously because not just pissing me off, but just the civilian dad who for some reason is allowed to tag along throughout the episode. I spent the entire time screaming at this uh, my TV going, "Why the fuck are you here? Who is letting you stick around, and why? Like, what the fuck? And then if you think about it from the perspective of Walker, Texas Ranger, now nothing makes sense, and now it all makes sense. Okay, so I'm going to quickly answer about, say, two things that kind of jump ahead a little bit with that guy. One, he's there to be the parallel for Jacob for the pointless plot line in there. Yeah, you're completely right. That's so much worse, though, because like that's it's so ham-handed. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, it is one hundred percent ham-handed. It doesn't need to ham-handed be in this story. episode whatsoever. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, the episode, as weak as it is, would have been slightly stronger if they'd taken out the plot with Sam's brother. So that's one thing. But two, what the fuck was the scene with him spilling coffee on himself? <laughs> I was expecting him to, like, do something underhanded with that, like, steal some paperwork or unplug something, but no, he just spilled coffee on himself, sent some things, and left. I miss, I miss, it's not ham-handed, ham-fisted or heavy-handed, because whatever, but that episode is filled with ham-fisted moments, and that one, I think, was their attempt at a red herring kind of moment. Like, ooh, maybe he's a bad guy. Like, maybe the reason why he's here is because it's all for, you know, a nefarious reason, and then they can go, ha, psych, at the end. And it's like, look, that's good writing. Maybe? I, I don't, See, I don't, I don't know, know if, if I agree. I don't know if it's that, or if, and I hate to be this uncharitable, but <laughs> if the guy's maybe just a bad actor, and he was supposed to be showing like that his nerves were getting to him so much that like he couldn't safely pour a cup of coffee oh that could the way it was portrayed on the screen it looked like he purposely poured coffee on his hand it did look purposeful to me yeah that's why i I, because my first thought was also nefarious the actor did purposefully pour coffee onto his hand but i don't i feel like unless there was other plot there that they pulled out for time uh where he was trying to do stuff I feel like it's just the guy wasn't good at portraying nerves made him spill this coffee. I mean, that that really tracks. I I could see either one. Honestly, I'm looking at the fork in the road that they are, and I can't decide (laughs) because they both are so bad. bad. Yeah, they're both so plausibly bad that I can't... They both fit. So my third and final point is to explain to the listeners who do not get my text. While I was in the middle of watching this episode, I texted Liz to say... This feels more like a Walker, Texas Ranger episode than a Stargate episode. <laughs> I never watched 
Texas Ranger, but it didn't feel like a Stargate episode, so I'll give you that. And and when I say Walker, Texas Ranger, I absolutely mean the original one with Chuck Norris, because is, is the new one out yet? I, I don't know. And the thing is, it can 100% be a Walker, Texas Ranger episode, even... Here's the thing, I swear to God there was at least one Rescue Someone from a Cult Walker, Texas Ranger episode, <laughs> um, but... It also, even with the elements of the, like, alien god with magic powers, it's still a Walker, Texas Ranger episode. (laughs) Walker, Texas Ranger went off the rails down the line. Apparently it has started. Okay. The new one has started. Well, I'm not gonna watch it because the first one was bad, so I don't know why you started doing it again. If you want to watch something from that era, watch Martial Law. Martial Law is very good with Sam Oham. I love Martial Law. I watched Star Trek. I watched Star Trek too. Star Trek was the thing I watched with my dad that I did enjoy. For a good chunk of my childhood, I was only allowed to watch two hours of TV a week. So I had to be very careful what I was allowed to watch. (laughs) And uh, Star Trek took up one half of that allotted time every week. I watched uh, TV Land the rest of the time. Thanks to my dad, I saw Walker, Texas Ranger. I saw Hogan's Heroes. I saw Hogan's Star Heroes, Trek. yeah. Hogan's Heroes was so good. But yeah, my parents were always this huge Trekkie. So tra- Star Trek just took up my time. There's a lot of it. All right, uh, as much as we don't want to talk about yes. this episode, we got Yeah, we always do this. Okay, so this is one of the few times I'm going to say this about this episode, but this note isn't a bad note. It's just an odd note, I guess, but it's odd to me that it took until season three to finally hit on a leftover go old storyline. Yeah, I mean... It's not bad, just interesting. We've tech... I mean, Hathor was technically left on Earth. <laughs> True, I, that is a very valid point that I completely glossed over, but what I meant, I guess, is more <laughs> we like... We literally the, uh, just yeah. had Hathor yeah. yet last right. week. <laughs> We touched on how it's like funny that there aren't like any skeletons or things. Like aside from like that yeah. one thing they found in Egypt, there haven't been others, yeah. you know, there haven't been any things brought up till now that really emphasize a presence left behind after that rebellion. And Hathor, while I did forget about her, still doesn't technically count because she was asleep for that whole time. Again, still having forgot Hathor. Still having yeah. forgotten. I'm not trying to correct the, the record after. <laughs> um, but with Seth... I was going under the impression of, like, the fact that he was active the whole time. Oh, Still yeah, Still doing yeah. his go-old thing and not in the sleeping format. The good news is they did it early enough still that this is one of those kinds of storylines that if you do it later, the longer you wait, the more dumb it is that yeah, it has yeah. gone on Because it's this like you should have fucking unnoticed. noticed by now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So season three, I guess, was exactly that moment of if this was an idea pitched for the first time, by season three writers, I can imagine... So they knew they had to get yeah, it out exactly. there now. I can imagine that conversation went something along the lines of, okay, but if we're doing it, it's gotta be like episode two. Yeah. Because any longer, and this becomes a bit of an issue, because now we have like the yeah, Tokra yeah. involved, for example, with Selmag and everything, and there's all these extra elements that, if, actually, you know, I think I just answered my own question, maybe that's why they waited till season three, they wanted to get the Tokra line established more. As a that presence in the show, and then it, it was a this lot This is honestly the perfect time bridge. to have this episode. Yeah. One of the other things that isn't terrible about this episode is the Tokra element um, as a bridge. Yeah. It's a very correct bridge, <laughs> because Absolutely. the Tokra are a bridge between the Tauri and the rest of the higher-tech aliens, because the Asgard are doing their own separate relationship with the humans, mm-hmm. and the Tolan want nothing to do with the humans, but they all deal with the to- uh, Tokra, for example, so the three of them can have a bit of a conduit as a result. The show doesn't really emphasize I mean, it that way, but the point is it could be like that, and the Tokra therefore kind of serve as that function. Listen, let's not generalize. One Tolan wants something to do with one human. 
Yeah. And another Tolan tolerates a different human. <laughs> Sorry, I've seen the Saw movies too many times now. All I can think of that scene as now is freaking Jigsaw trying to train his next acolyte. <laughs> Like, oh, this one, this one understands the value of life. <laughs> he, he saw Daniel shoot a tank full of gold larva and was like, yes. Yes, this one has what it takes. God. Makes more sense than Cariolis. Anyway, moving on. Um, oh. Before I get myself on that long-ass tangent. Yeah, let's actually talk about this episode. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, well, so the episode opens up with uh, J- Jacob coming through, um... And a really fuck. I I was immediately like, I don't I don't know if this is on Jacob or on the fact that they don't want to swear or so. Isn't this still on Showtime? Can't they swear? <laughs> but but uh, so so Jacob uh is telling them basically about how uh he says they're t- they're part of the Tokra water cooler right now. Um, everyone at, at the Tokra is talking about them. Yeah, no, they were still on. They were still on Showtime. Continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't understand why he says, uh, for kicking some major Hathor behind. Right, but then that just happened like, last episode? It's like, why can't you, I, no, I, why does he say behind instead of ass? <laughs> oh, see, that actually makes sense to me, just based on, um, the tiny bits we've gotten from, about Jacob's character. For, so, so, for example, uh, Sam says Holy Hannah because Jacob okay. says Holy Hannah. and he Hannah. does too at some point, yeah. Okay, you know what, fine. Fair. I did say, I was like, I don't know if this is on Jacob or on <laughs> why aren't they letting him swear. But if, you're right, he does do the holy hand thing as well, so maybe there's just a fam- a rule in that family that there's no swearing. Yeah. It just, so it sounded so family. awkward. It sounded like, I was like, it is the human talking right now, right? Not so Yeah, <laughs> I just figured it was more of that older gentleman guy not guy, just no, yeah, that you know, the works. older gentleman type. And I say gentleman as in, you know, they don't, he doesn't speak like that. Oh my god. Vulgarity, there it is, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so he's, he's a non-vulgar man, so I bet he probably considers ass to be vulgar in that, you know, situation. Based on how he was probably raised or whatever. I, and that's literally sure. all based solely on Holy Hannah. I buy it. No, I, t- I accept it. Um, but he basically says, hey, I need your guys' help to hunt for some gold. And they're like, alright. And then we get like a uh, I think that's when the the intro cuts, right? The, the opening intro. And then the next thing we get, we're at the briefing room. And he pulls out this little disc and puts it on the table. And a little hologram comes out. And this is actually one of my favorite moments in this episode. <laughs> I like this for a couple reasons. One, um, Sam and Daniel both get excited about this. But for explicitly different reasons. As and I love, them, and I love it. Because Sam's like, wow, it's amazing. It's a holograph, uh, holographic image without the blah, blah, blah. I'm not getting into the tech. I have I have the transcripts up, uh, but I'm not. Uh, with, here we go. What does a she say? A projected hologram with no silver halide coated plates. No photo, photopolymer film. No. And then Daniel's like, no, I, I think it's cool because this is, this is a family tree of the system lords. <laughs> What I love is that I can't, I'll never know what my, I'll never remember what my original impression of this scene was, because as a kid, maybe I would have been able to see Sam's point of view a little better, but much like today, like like literally today, today, when I watch yeah. TV and I'll see an episode of a show or something where somebody's supposed to be standing out for wearing a mask, 
<laughs> and it'll take me a few scenes before I'm like, oh, right, that's aberrant behavior. <laughs> because, you know, you know, of the landscape right now. So much like how that's affecting filter-wise for me, TV, uh, time is a filter for me here. The where technology? <laughs> I... I know we don't use holograms like this in real life or anything, but they're literally everywhere these days on TV. Oh, yeah. TV, mm-hmm. movie, er, movies, bleh, it's it's not hard to do anymore as a CGI effect. So it's just no. kind of the go-to. It's it's the sky beam of explaining. Oh, yeah, yeah. And while that's, I'm not really complaining about it, honestly, because I mean... <laughs> I'm real fucking easy on that kind of shit where I see a hologram and I don't compl- I don't even begin to co- um, question how it's there or why it's there. I just go, pretty colors. <laughs> so I'm watching her go through all that and I'm sitting there going like, blink, blink. Huh. I wonder what it was like for me as a kid. I wonder if I was also like, cool, that's cool, that's new. <laughs> Whoa. I just thought it was a good, um, a very strong portrayal of the two of them and their two nerdy interests. <laughs> they were both excited about their field. <laughs> No, they were, uh, they were back in their twin groove. Yeah, their little chaos twin groove. But he points out, like, he's, he's like, listing a couple of the different gold they've run into before uh, that are on it. And then he points out that Satesh is, the, the symbol for Satesh is oscillating. And I, I don't know why it is. I know I, it's to call attention to it. I, I didn't get it either. That went over my head. I also didn't care. The only, so. the only thing I can think is that it's oscillating because the Tok'ra are unaware of its of Seth's um, current status. But <laughs> that's not what family trees are for. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, they can be. Um, there's like the royal issue trees that have like those special little lines that denote which ones are like proper heirs versus just fathered by a horny king (laughs) um and stuff like that i don't know if they're like a proper thing though or like ones just made after the fact for those biographies that i was reading so i um but i know like that that type of graphic exists so maybe that's what they were attempt i yeah it's a it's a reach it's a reach that i'm doing here so i don't i'm not saying it's a thing but yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I I, understand entirely the mechanical reason for it in the narrative. Yeah. Or not in the narrative, in the, the story construction, why it's happening. It's so we can call attention to Seth's name and start talking about him. Right. <laughs> but they don't actually explain why it's oscillating in the episode for narrative reasons. So I'm sitting here going, why? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I just, I guess my conclusion was that it was oscillating because someone was making it oscillate. So maybe this had yeah, belonged to somebody and they this was their way of going, this is what you need to look at. But then they don't explain yeah. why. So, but also, I didn't care, so I didn't think about the why. My my joke answer is the Tok'ra who set this hologram up was like, uh, let's make them ask questions about Seth themselves by making this oscillate. Otherwise known as the show writer didn't know. The show writer wanted the thing to happen. And so all of a sudden, the thing happened. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, so then they start talking about um, Seth, Satesh, uh, Seti, Setek. I don't like Seti being in there, because I like Seti. But Daniel starts doing his little speech about he's the god of, the Egyptian god of chaos, uh, hostility, and then, because we need to be really dramatic about this, just like they were last time with Sokar, outright evil. I don't understand, like... 
When they're trying to paint him as terrifying, why wouldn't they bring up that he's the first murderer? That's an actual mythological element to his story. Okay. But instead you just exaggerate his... This is bullshit. (sighs) But the first thing that came to mind was... The show was aimed towards a Western audience, so I'm guessing they were thinking oh, Cain and Abel. Oh, no! Yes! I- <laughs> okay, as soon as she said Western audience, I was like, why would that matter? And then I sat there, and it took me a good, like, as you were talking, my brain was ticking through. And it took me a good, like, five seconds to go, oh, write the Bible! <laughs> this moment is the perfect, um... The perfect snapshot of who I am as a person. Yeah, just forgot <laughs> that what the Bible was. That took me was. a good 30 seconds to remember the Bible. And, <laughs> you know, that famous story in it about the first murderer. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Okay. Pop quiz, Mel. Who, which brother killed which brother? Who killed who? Um, oh, shit. Uh, you can do this. Uh, I have faith in you. <laughs> Do you really? Um, d- did Cain kill Abel? Yeah, good job! Ah, yay, did it! <laughs> you know how you can remember it? Because he was marked by God to walk for eternity with the shame of what he had done. So he has the mark of Cain. You say that, but I haven't gotten to that part of Supernatural. No, it's yet, a real. So no, it that's actually mean. the real story. He was actually condemned to walk. I know, for, but I know the mark of Cain is in Supernatural. Right, it's also a real thing. The, the mark of oh, Cain. Well, yeah. would, I've never heard of that. No, Supernatural so appropriated. Yes, no, Supernatural appropriated. Why would you appropriated. think I would forget about Cain and Abel, but remember the mark of Cain? Well, that makes sense. I guess that is true, considering <laughs> how it isn't actually just native to Supernatural. It is in fact a. Um, did you ever read the Mortal Instruments books? This is not a recommendation to do. No, so not God, good. no. Okay, well, that's no. used in that, too. One of the characters gets it um, marked upon his forehead, and everything that happens to him, uh, if they intend to do him harm, it's instead done upon them, like, sevenfold or some shit, and it's all, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think, I think because it was a Western audience, I think everyone was a little... That's fair. Worried. I didn't even think, like I said, I forgot the Bible existed. <laughs> Now, again, it's totally an assumption. I'm just thinking that if they went with that, as a result, the dialogue would be... And when I say naturally, I mean naturally to some writers. It might have been forced to naturally go down the route of some biblical thing, and then it might have taken them off track and so forth. So I bet they just decided to just evade that role entirely. I believe it, but on the other hand, when you have a character like Daniel, you have the perfect excuse to not have to go down talking about the Bible route because he's an anthropologist and archaeologist. He doesn't specialize in North American shit. Like he made a point of in the in the Spirits episode saying, you know, like I'm not an expert on this stuff or whatever. Right. Cuz he doesn't focus on North American stuff. So, uh I would 100% believe it was entirely within his character for him to bring up Seth being the first murderer and, like me, forget the Bible exists. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, even if someone did bring it up in the dialogue, it could so easily be thrown away. Not like the Bible could be thrown away. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Uh, even if it did get brought up, I feel like it could very easily be taken care of in conversation because let's yeah, say absolutely. someone else said... Oh, like, the other, I thought the first murder was, you know, according to this, that this was the first murder. And then you can have Daniel do that, like, d- you're a dumb person, slow blink that he does at them and goes, cue him going, 
ancient Egyptians predate that by only, I don't know, 12,000 years <laughs> or something. <laughs> whatever amount of time you know that kind of shit it's like yeah Yeah, exactly and with that in mind it would have been really easy i think to take care of in dialogue so it doesn't really make sense not to do it i think maybe it was compounded with one other thing that i was just kind of having a realization about Mm -hmm. this one i don't i'm not mad at myself for not remembering it because much like the show i forget that sam has a brother because he's never mentioned also, this is his Here's introduction. He is just introduced introduced in this episode. Okay, I was about to ask him, like, I swear to God he's he not, hasn't been no, mentioned no, until this no, episode. He's not mentioned again until I think, I think he's mentioned, like, once, maybe, later. He was there, he is literally there just to serve this storyline, and I think that's an extremely and short-sighted move. it doesn't move. need to be there yeah, anyway. It's an extremely short-sighted move on top of it, because everything that makes Sam great is, I think, on accident, a little contingent on her being an only child. Yeah, honestly. And, not, and if not an only child, then they really should have emphasized how her bond with her father was stronger than the bond with his son, for example. Because yeah. a lot of what she is is based on her interactions with her dad. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of who we are is shaped upon our childhoods and yeah, shit. Yeah, I don't so, buy her no. as having a brother, It's because honestly. the show didn't intend for her to have one. Some asshole no. in season three went, Oh, you know what would be funny is if we added this extra storyline with a brother. Ho, ho. It's really weird. So by some asshole, you mean Jonathan Glass? Yes, in this case. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a weird element to have randomly brought in for this, especially since they have no intention of going anywhere with it ever again in the show. So that's just dumb. Um, yeah. Sam and... Jacob's relationship, I think this takes away from it a little in its build-up, conception, everything. It's all haphazard as fuck and I hate it. But anyway, the whole thing is she has a brother and that's emphasized by its introduction in this episode. So maybe if they had brought up that, somehow it would be a weird accidental connection for audiences. Maybe they'd think that this episode's gonna focus on Sam trying to kill her brother or something. I mean, who knows? (laughs) Honestly, maybe that could have been an episode. That would have been better than this one. Yeah. Somebody, I think, had this idea of what's an element we can add that makes a connection between the characters and the story. And for some reason, despite the fact that Sam and Jacob have already stood firm as a story object, holder, guide, person, everything, it's been fine up until now. But for some reason, somebody thought they needed to add this extra element to really connect Sam and Jacob or whatever to the story for some fucking reason. Even though it's, again haphazard at best and it's extremely half-assed too and why did they need to connect jacob to this thing on a personal note why couldn't he just be connected because of the tokra element why does it need to be there yeah like he's here because it's a tokra concern and he's a liaison between them he doesn't have to be here for anything else exactly and speaking of there's been times where Jacob's talked to Sam and they've talked about like, oh, you're not just here to see me or whatever. I think it was like the most, the only other time he's come through. They may have had some kind of similar interaction where it was like, hey, it's really good to see you for the first time since you went off and became joined. And what's just not even killing me here, what's slaughtering me is during any of those conversations, it would have been interesting if she had brought up her brother or he had brought up the other child that he left behind on this planet. But now this but no, stilted dialogue is, now. is mimicking earlier scenes while somehow completely introducing a, a topic that has coincidentally up until now just been not on either of their minds. Honestly, maybe mm-hmm. that brother's better off without them because clearly neither one of them gives him any spit second thoughts until it's absolutely necessary. Right? Hasn't been brought up at all until now. Actually, you know what? There it is. Fine, that, that's, what it, that's my headcanon. Sam has a slightly bad element to her, and that's she's like her dad, and he's an asshole about his kids. So I guess she doesn't give a shit about her brother that much. Fair enough. Uh, 
But yeah, so they he explains to uh, Jacob explains to the team that um, they don't know where Satesh is right now. Uh, they keep track of like all the system lords, but they lost track of Satesh way back when the uprising in Egypt happened and Ra was kicked out from Earth. And that's when the team goes, wait, so you think he's still here? And they're like, yeah, we think so. And we want your help to find him. Which I love also. The Tok'ra have been uh, alliance with them for, what, at least six Allied. months at this point, right? I know, I said alliance, and I'm like, whatever, I don't care. Uh, they've been team, you know, teamed yeah. up with... Why now? With, what, did someone just, like, look at their cold cases and go, oh, fuck, Seth is still on her? <laughs> just randomly? Hey, guys, I... Someone, someone got in trouble... And was sent to the archive room to clean up uh-huh. as a as punishment. And they stumbled across the cold case on Seth. They went, is this anything, guys? I was gonna make a dumb joke like, hey guys, I know we're stuck in a centuries-long war against our brethren, but do you mind if we take a week and just dig through some of the old files? Because I'm just feeling kind of tired. But then, <laughs> no, you said that, and I, that, makes, that makes even more joke sense than anything else. <laughs> but yeah, seriously. Love when my jokes make sense. <laughs> if you think he was left behind... What brought this to your attention? Like, if, if he's been floating under, under the radar this successfully the entire... Oh, and by the way, I love how, of course, he just happens to be in the U.S. The continental of course, northern yeah. United States. He yeah. just happens to be within... What is that, like a couple-hour flight? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, I, yeah, it's not even that, because, like... It was, in the, it was thing, in the Pacific Northwest, right? Because I do remember going, hey, that's our was, area. It was <laughs> just right next to Seattle. Yeah, yeah, so it was, it's basically us. It's basically where we are. Yeah, yeah. Seth is out here somewhere. We are smack dab in the middle of that area that's loosely conglom- conglomerated around Seattle, and it's filled with either pure city or just nothing for miles. Yeah, I was kind of like, hey, rude, why do you think we'd let Seth be here? <laughs> yeah. But then... Maybe, you know what, maybe they went with, maybe they went with Washington because, well, okay. A, I think they went with Washington because it's really close to Vancouver, so it's very easy to fake the same foliage. I'm an idiot, I did not even think about that a little bit until you said that, which is, <laughs> which is, yeah, no, they, they went for Pacific Northwest because that's where Vancouver is, it's in the Pacific Northwest. Because that's where they're filming, it's just slightly And Vancouver's north. like an hour and a half away, that's a lie, it's like three hours Yeah, because that's the thing, they still. can get away... They can get away with, um, um, you know, filming in Pacific Northwest uh, forests on alien planets, but when we gotta pretend to be on Earth, and we're filming in a Pacific Northwest forest, we might as well say we're in the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Back back when people yeah. used to be able to travel the borders, I used to drive up to Vancouver on a regular basis. So this is a pretty quick drive. This must have been really easy for yeah, them. I, absolutely. I cannot believe how... Fa- I'm just really mad at how much this went over my head, Mel. I just had to extra emphasize that one more time. In your defense, I didn't realize it until I was saying it. Um, but the other thing, what I was originally going to say before as I was talking, I realized, oh, it's because it's in the Pacific Northwest that they're filming, um, is that... It's a commonly known thing. It, here's the thing. <laughs> Living here, I can tell you it doesn't rain nearly as much as people like to joke about it raining up here. No, it only rains about 87% of the time. Yeah, instead of 95. Yes. Um, but because of that, because people don't see the sun as much, it could be easier for a cult leader to 
nab some people just because of like the of uh, seasonal affective disorder and that sort of thing people would be slightly easier target in some cases i'm not saying this is like i i would buy it especially with the woods and everything i buy it you know why you'd buy it is because much like my mother you're from california and the one thing i never hear californian people not talk about is sad is a seasonal affective disorder that's because we are bathed in sunlight right. and i was i was for 25 yeah. years uh here's the thing up until the quarantine hit i don't think i was really bothered by it either moving up here right because i didn't you know spend a lot of time out in the sun when i could avoid it back in california either but uh it's been rough <laughs> this year <laughs> That, yeah, I just sit there do my eyebrow the whole time you're saying that. Because for people like me who were born and raised in this area, we're sitting here going, it's it's rain. <laughs> no, it's not. It. Yeah, like I said, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, I don't think that makes people more susceptible to cults. I mean, you know, no, I, but here's the thing. I was even saying that, like, I'm not saying any of this is true. A lot of it's exaggerated. Just like I said that, like, how much rain we get is exaggerated. But people do tend to associate, like, Con the constant rain of Seattle with like a gloomier right. nature. Gloom and doom. It's also associated with like the coffee shops and the, you know, there's gloom and douchebags then. Things that are associated with the Seattle area and the gloomier atmosphere is one of them. Now, I'm just gonna say, I mean, Amazon headquarters are also in Seattle, so that would be the heart of darkness. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that tracks, Mel. That tracks. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not disagreeing because as somebody who does not get affected by the seasonal affective disorder, I cannot actually say what it feels like. Therefore, what it would be like to be under it and so forth. I do know that group hysteria, group hallucinations, that whole shit's a thing. So if you have people who are isolated in rural areas that are also gloomy, mm -hmm. so you're inside a lot in forced quarters, Maybe you'll be more susceptible as a group to shit. I could see that. I I just never understood the mentality that that draws anybody to anything cult like. Oh, well, that's the, I would never know. <laughs> I just find it really funny that the idea of rainy Washington is what makes people susceptible to cults. <laughs> I mean, a lot of things make make people susceptible to cults. Um, and to be fair, like I mean, we've got Seattle, but. It's not like all of Washington is like Seattle. No, and that's actually, there are... that, that reminds me, that Eastern Washington is also right there. So why then yeah. just go over there? Because I'm not saying it's desert-like, but I mean, you've seen it. It's different than here. Yeah. It's, there's a whole, there's whole stretches. There's a city in Washington state well, called Spokane for people not from the States. And it's, uh, I used to joke a lot that it's a city smack dab in the middle of fucking nowhere because it's just miles of arid ranch land that isn't all trees and, and prettiness and rain it's just there's nothing well i've that got two made, answers that for that sense to me. one of them is narrative and one of them is mechanical the mechanical answer is they needed to film in a forest <laughs> maybe <laughs> the maybe. narrative answer for that is it's easier to hide a cult in a forest than an arid ranch land well, uh, that would depend, because, like, a lot of cults actually took place on ranch land because it was an isolated farmhouse and shit like that. Yeah, listen, there's a reason I listed the mechanical reasons for why they filmed in the forest yeah, I just first. think it's sad that they had the, the options there that would have technically made more sense and then just didn't do it because of other reasons that I guess make sense, but whatever. It's like, I buy it. I buy the setting. It's one of the only things I buy about this episode. Yeah. I want to trademark something for se starting season three. It would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, right? God. 
um, but yeah, so he's basically telling them that, hey, we, we need your help. He's, he, we think he's on Earth here somewhere, and we came to you for help to find him. And Jack's, of course, like, so you want us to find one guy in six billion. And he happens to be in Seattle. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, why not just have him in Denver then at that point? I mean, Jesus. Right. Uh, but yeah, so actually, no, I'm sorry. This is when the opening credits happen. Yeah. So it was just a rough cut from the, the gate room to the briefing room before. It seemed like it would have been a better place for it, but whatever. No, this shows how much we hate this episode. I'm at the hour and 24 mark, and we're just now at the opening credits. I know, I know. But yeah, so they're, they're talking about, like, well, do you think he's still alive out here? And like, well, if he has a sarcophagus, sure. And Jacob's like, yeah, also if he keeps jumping hosts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which, I don't know, maybe he did take Daniel's dad's body as a <laughs> <laughs> just made it worse didn't i why are you helping stargate impose daddy issues on me i mean daniel didn't recognize him yeah that's what i had going for me here and then you made Thank it you. go away because now i can picture it Ah, uh, sorry but yeah so they're basically like okay well you know how are we gonna find him and daniel's like well i i have some ideas <laughs> Daniel basically points out, uh, and, okay, here's the thing. Daniel absolutely, in this moment, makes a leap of logic. But he does base all of it on things he knows, so I, I'm willing to accept it, but it absolutely is a fucking leap of logic. Where he's like, look, let's look at gold MO MOs. They like fake religions. So they like to be the leader of fake religions. And they're like, oh, so let's look for cults. They just immediately decide we're going to look for cults. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's just, that's not a connection. I, they, no. It's a wild leap of logic. We're looking for a gold who's been hiding on Earth. Well, they love their false religions. What uh, you should have said cults. was something along these lines, which is a still a much abbreviated, it, this could have still been a very abbreviated version of what would have actually been a very long conversation and search process, but... This is closer to what it should have been. Well, we know they like to be worshipped, and we yeah. know they like to have near-fanatical, if not fanatical, levels of loyalty in that worship. Okay, so we're gonna look for <laughs> church types, or maybe cults? Yeah, cults! Let's look at some cults. And then they go through some of those types. I don't know when became a problem. I, they have to have been around for a while. I don't think, I don't think quite yet. Hate churchin has not yeah, yeah, yeah. been newly introduced. How about that? That's not a new thing. Sure. There you go. So we're looking for near fanatical levels of worship. Okay, so hate churches or cults. All right, people, let's do this. And then you can have open credits, and then you can have the open credits end with them having fin finalized a somewhat search process. But they already had the opening credits. <laughs> a montage then or something. Something to break the time. You hate montages. Yeah, but SG-1 doesn't, so... <sighs> well, I mean, all they do is they have a scene break, and then they come back, and Daniel's done his research. Wow, really was just that lazy? Um, Fine, stick with that lazy then. Just, just break yeah. it on the, okay, let's split up and do this then. But no! Yeah, no, it... it, it <laughs> It is 100% just Daniel making the leap. He's like, well, let's look at their M.O. They like to get power through false religion. Let's look at cults. 
or televangelists. I mean, come True. on. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you were going to draw a direct parallel between gold, cult leaders are a perfect match. Cult leaders uh, install themselves as, like, actual gods in, in a lot of the cult religions. Which is what the system lords are doing. See, this is why I don't get cults. Because I just, I always just think of them as more like, I guess at the most prophet types, but less like god types. More just like, mm-hmm. no, 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 you don't get it. I'm just really awesome. You know, that kind of shit. I always just figured yeah, somebody I mean, saying Sometimes they'll that. go the prophet right, line, right. but sometimes they right. just go but the I, god I always, line. I always forget to go, I always forget that others go past that line to yeah. other levels of that crazy. Because it's, it's insanity. Who's also, if you're talking this? seed money, most cult leaders have their cult uh, followers give them oh, yeah. all of their belongings. Yeah. <laughs> Can have you write over your entire everything, your house, all your possessions oh, yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. See, this this right here, Mel, this is problematic for me because this episode revolves heavily around cult behavior, which we are allowed to dissect and even criticize in um in a in a general audience format without being offensive. But the parallels but of any, it with organized any religion. One of the many parallels that they have that cults have with um organized religions. And all of a sudden Start you're in a dangerous you're just territory. Instantly going down a dangerous yeah. road. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna say this. I'm just gonna leave it at that actually, which is uh, <laughs> I I still think it's it's obviously a leap. It's obviously a leap. It's not like it's out yeah. of it's not like it's out of reason to go to cult no. leaders. It's just yeah, the it's that missing step between yeah, yeah, yeah. A and B as always with this show, which is always 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 their issue. I don't know enough about all the cultures religions of the world, but I feel like Daniel might. So yeah. why doesn't Dan- it's Glasner? I just I answered the question right here. I forgot. It's he Glasner. Do he doesn't like research. So obviously no. the guy who in character would know some more and through research would just leap to cults. Also, um, they they didn't have the time to do that half step between, let's look at his M.O. and, oh, cult, because they had to shoehorn in Sam's um, heretofore never-mentioned brother. <laughs> uh, for the people listening at home, she is shaking her head and saying nothing at all. <laughs> it's called rage shaking. Uh, it's called just, no... <laughs> I hate that of all the C storylines to ever exist, this is the most annoying C storyline of them all. Yeah, so our um our our cut through line of the, the scene cut so that Daniel could do his homework is Sam uh asking her dad why he's really here, uh and he's like, I'm I'm here for the job and, and to see you and blah 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 and she's like, No, really, why are you here? And then they get into an elevator and Selmac takes over and I don't know if I I don't know if it's because I was watching it on the TV this time instead of my computer or what, but was it just me or did Selmak's voice sound a little odd in this episode? What do you mean odd? Like, I don't know. The levels on the voice just sounded odd. Maybe because of the elevator? Maybe, I don't know. I, don't I just know. I remember going, what is wrong with the gold voice trip right now? <laughs> it's, it was probably nothing. I just was like, what's going on there? Uh, but Selmak uh, takes over and goes, I made him come. Because uh, he's being a little bitch about your brother. <laughs> and cue Sam as well as the world going, what brother? Yeah, exactly. I have a brother? When did that happen? You know what? If you want to introduce a new brother, you know what you should have done is, turns out, Jacob's a philanderer. Like, ooh. I'd buy it. Hell, you know, I, I, I know that, I don't remember how old Sam, I guess Mark, uh, I don't know how old they were when the mom died. Uh, I don't remember the timeline details very well, but. 
she was young, old, sorry, old enough, I think, that it wouldn't have worked with this timeline, so it would have had to be when his wife was still alive. And I know it doesn't track with him still wearing the ring, but shit happens. Maybe he just fucked the neighbor down the street. Maybe Jacob isn't perfect. Shock. Shock. What? And, you know, what? he has no problem apparently cutting this kid out of his life to the point where he wasn't, you know, that was a full level estrangement to the point where this guy has apparently had children, gotten married and had children. That's a long-ass time. So, yeah. yeah. There could have been a lot to explain the appearance of a sudden brother, but instead they went with the, no, 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 he's just always been here, it's fine. God damn it, no, that, that, that would have made actually way more sense because that wouldn't, have, that wouldn't have altered Sam's relationship with her dad at all. No. But this alters it on a fundamental level. It, doesn't, it makes the whole thing not make as much sense with her character. They, they, they absolutely, like, force the dialogue, too, to make it happen. Right, everything dialogue-wise in this episode, by the way, is yeah. forced. All of the dialogue. Oh, 100%. It's awful. Um, but, like, they don't even... Because they, they go, it's Mark. Well, they have Sam go, it's Mark. So we can't even pretend that he, she didn't know about his existence. And, and then everyone at home going, who the fuck is Mark? Then Selmat goes, oh, blah, 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 your brother. And it's like, who? <laughs> I don't know about you how you were raised, but when I was a kid... Now, granted, I know this technically will still fall within the thing I'm about to describe, but still. Um... My parents didn't refer to their, to, when they were speaking to one child, they didn't refer to that child's siblings as your sister, um, yeah. unless they were <laughs> currently in the middle of being upset with your mm -hmm. sister for doing something. Yeah. Probably literally right then at that moment in front of you. And you were briefly getting to enjoy a moment of being the favorite child. Just for a second. Yeah, because, uh, surprise, I know who my brother is. I don't need a reminder. It's that person we both know. You know, it's, it's yeah. easy. Now, I know that's why Sam technically, it makes sense that she would say Mark there, but the forced clunkiness of the my brother technically, I guess, makes sense because I guess he could be considered to be cross with Mark. So I guess it's not really a complaint. Sure. But the clunkiness aspect of it is more just the fact that it's utterly convenient. It's just there for convenience so the audience can finally figure out who the fuck Mark is. And I say finally because it's been all two seconds in the scene and it's already been an eternity. Also, apparently he's not accepting Sam's phone calls either. It's like... Which would have been something to mention in that episode then. I catch your attempted forced retro, uh, retroactively retconning the, the timeline events of, like, no, 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 see, she always had a brother. She tried to call him when she found out about Jacob. It's like, okay, then why didn't she mention it? In that episode, right? Yeah, it's like, your forced shit is only that much more obvious when you do such a bad job forcing it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god. This no. episode is bad, Belle. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the, uh, instead of getting a montage of research, we get that bullshit. I would have preferred a montage, 100%. I'm putting it on record now, I would have preferred a montage. Shocking. Team montage. Yeah, so they come back, and they're like, okay, so, what'd you find? Because it's like, yeah, Daniel figure it out. Him alone, we'll, we'll get it. <laughs> Which, okay, he, he did. <laughs> but, um, huh. Huh. I didn't notice that he said timeline Boolean search. <laughs> said I did a timeline boolean search for religion cult set satesh satek set and he used it in the term of like searching so it works but it's like it's just odd for him to use that term I would completely agree uh I think the only thing that's making me not question it is I I, I guess researchers would just that would be like the one thing the one niche thing you would yeah. be able to do is all the things that help you research faster and you would have to do before yeah, internet days you have to do cross-indexing a lot more efficiently Otherwise, you'd spend yeah, your entire life like, just looking up shit. The way he used Boolean, I believe, especially since he definitely 
is a researcher. Yeah. I believe it. It was just weird. No, you're not wrong. To hear it, it from Daniel's up. mouth instead of yeah. Sam's mouth. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised I could. I didn't even catch that at all. Me neither. It's only because I'm looking at the transcripts huh. uh, so that I make sure I have uh, weird dialogue bits uh, like that that I can talk about. But yeah, so he, he basically talks about how throughout history he's found evidence of different cults for Seth. Seth. Satesh. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, Insert 20 million yeah. Mother of Dragons names here. So he talks about how, like, he, he gives some examples in the past and how each time uh, when, like, they would have been confronted or shut down, uh, he had the cult kill themselves instead. And then disappear. Oh yeah, that other thing that cults have that that other uh, churches yeah. don't as much. I always forget that. Yeah, I yeah. forget that other thing that sets them apart. You'd think I wouldn't forget Kool Aid, but I do. <laughs> but I do. But so Daniel base ultimately what it comes down to is Daniel finds a current. Uh, I think it was an ATF right ATF file. It was I was like on the ATF page or something. But he finds a current file on a current cult leader of issue named Seth. It would have to be uh, ATF that, because they come across an ATF la- agent later. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he could have found it on a different right, but active route. ongoing. They off- do bring up the FBI also. Oh, in this true, episode. and then they go and pretend to be FBI agents. So maybe it was no, FBI. they don't. They explicitly are like, we are you're not. Right. FBI. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. They're not doing the supernatural thing. I just I liked how they kind of let shit happen, and it was nice. No, you're right. Continue. Yeah, so then he's like, yeah, so uh, they have a current file on him. He's current right now. He's got a cult of like fifty people. Um, up north in up north of Seattle, and they're like, "Okay, cool, let's go check this out." You know, oh, and they're like, "Wait, first they're like, wait, how do we know for sure this is a gold?" And he starts, um, he starts reading off like details about the guy, um, details they have on the guy from the website, and one of the specific details they get on him is that his eyes glow, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. gold, cool, we got this." There you go. Uh, during this, there is a fun little exchange uh where they're talking about the creature that represents um the you know the the creature tied with seth uh which is either a mythological creature or an um extinct creature but they're leaning more towards mythological because of the fact that no one's ever found um you know bones of this particular creature and so it's like oh yes there there is a good jaffa joke about this this uh, creature. <laughs> this scene is magical. I love it. It's so good. This is why I was like, I have to have the transcripts up so I can I can tell this. I'm gonna give this verbatim this amazing joke that Tilk tells. So he goes, a serpent guard, a Horus guard, and a Satesh guard meet on a neutral planet. It is a tense moment. The serpent guard's eyes glow. The Horus guard's beak glistens. So the Satesh guard's nose drips. And then he just starts laughing to himself. Don't get me wrong. Everyone I love his laugh, just, but what? Everyone else is just staring at him like, okay. That's the downside. Jokes in other languages never translate. I loved it. It was so cute. He was so, he was so, he, he cracked himself up. My note on it was, don't worry, Tilk, I think you're funny. Listen, it's absolutely a cultural joke, but I got what it was doing. Uh, you'll have to enlighten me. Basically, it's pointing out that the creature that represents him is not intimidating whatsoever. Oh, 
that, there that are intimidating okay. aspects to the Horus Guard and the Serpent Guard, but that this this goofy little weird fox dog hybrid looking thing isn't scary. I would have been the novitiate who was released from symbol duty back in the old days. <laughs> that's just that's just I know this. I think specific I think specifically the nose dripping is to call on the fact that it does have kind of an exaggerated long nose too. Oh, okay. Okay. So like I said, I get entirely where the I think this is actually I will you know what? We're riding on uh Glaster's ass a lot in this episode for his writing. I will give him credit for this joke because it works as a cultural joke that makes sense and is funny to someone who was a Jaffa and is raised in that culture. But even taking a step back as someone who is not a Jaffa, I understand entirely where the humor is coming from. So I give him credit 100% for the construction of that joke. I mean, I love it. There's always, I love how no matter what, you can, you can always rely on people. Um, they, they all fall back on one time-honored tradition of, heh, look at that idiot over there. Exactly. Like, look at that motherfucker. So yeah, they, but that happened before they figure out where Seth is in Seattle. Uh, but yeah, so then they're like, okay, well this is a good lead. This is, this is a very likely lead. For who it is. I mean, so, I love how first thought, best thought isn't what enters their mind at any point. Like, you're not going <laughs> to attempt to find other options at all. Well, they get they get a confirmation bias almost as soon as they go to check it out, so. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they, we cut immediately to Seattle, where, um, or north of Seattle. It's just easier to say Seattle. I'm going to so bleep it, but I know exactly is. where it is. Uh, I mean, I know you lived in a... A different place when you lived up in that area but honestly only about an hour north of where you lived is a place called and it's i hate it it has this gigantic ugly fucking billboard on it you leave one city and you know you're out of its um borders because the second you've left you're in the other one and there's a billboard right there to let you know because it's a picture of oh god but yeah, so they they get to somewhere north of Seattle. They got led to where the out the the cult is by a local sheriff, um, who is just the worst sheriff. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, he's an officer, Jenny. My favorite thing is how he references probable cause, and I'm just sitting there going, "Yep, he's a sheriff, so he's an elected official right there." So, mm-hmm. yep, that that's yep that yep that tracks. I will say, so basically, he's like asking them, and <laughs> Jack's very strictly not giving him any information. I think he asks, like, "Are you FBI or ATF?" And Jack's like, "Nope," and no, no, just no, nothing. Okay, so um, I don't remember what he says the first time to the sheriff. That's for that's transcript material for me, honestly. But the second time when he talks to the, the city dad, that's the time that he says nope because I have a note on it because I loved it. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, hang on. So uh, he just calls Jack the federal types, and then Jack just kind of talks around it and doesn't answer. I mean, he's not technically that wrong. They're not. They're not. I don't. On I don't that, think Air it, Force is federal level, but still close-ish. They're on that security. subject, though. There's a there's a visual detail of this episode that I actually really like in this moment, where they're all wearing their fatigues and everything, yeah, because they're about to go into a, a storming a cult possibly. All of their patches are covered, all signifying identifiers, all gone. I love it. Well, yeah, that's espionage one hundred and one, man. Absolutely, but I, I I appreciate that Stargate remembered it. Yeah, 
I, I, and it was noticeable. I appreciated it. I appreciated that I could see it and go, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. You're on American soil. Earth soil right now. You don't want to call attention to what you're doing. Pretend you're the CIA. You're not supposed to be here operating on American soil, so you shouldn't be exactly. doing this. But yeah, so that guy's basically like, well, I can't do anything here. Have fun. Bye. And just leaves. And immediately, <laughs> this man comes out from like a bushes. <laughs> And then he's like, are you FBI or ATF? And right. Jack's just like, nope. All right, what's the text I sent you? I felt I felt like it was an accurate um, ass- assessment of this. Um, here we go. This whole episode gets less focused in reality in an exponential fashion the longer it goes. Yeah, yeah, so he just basically comes out of a bush and goes, you people with the FBI? And Jack's just, nope. Who are you? <laughs> I do love Jack. Yeah, I do love He's nope. very, he knows what he's about. He He's done black ops. He knows, don't even give a fake answer. They don't need it. Just say no. <laughs> just say no. Unlike the campaign against drugs, this will actually work. Yes. Uh, so he gets the guy to say, like, why he's here. And he's basically like, yeah, my, my son's in that camp. And I tried to hire someone. He basically comes to the decision because Jack said no about being FBI that they're like hired, um, like someone else. He thinks that Jacob has a son also in there, um, and that Jacob hired these people as like third party, like you know, programmers is the word. Yeah, yeah. He called. Yeah, that he hired them to get get his son out and then he's like hey can you do me a favor and if you you know see my son in there too get him out as well go ahead i have a lot to say here but i'm not going to say all of it because reasons um the first thing i'm going to actually just sum up by putting the link in the show notes and leaving it at that because it's deeply fraught yeah it's if there is a something that can epitomize a good intention performed in the absolutely most worst 180 fashion that would be deprogramming i think but i know that in the 90s it was a much more top for some i can't remember why but there was i guess a surge of this kind of shit going on around then because my mother told me some horror stories and also on top of that shows reference this kind of stuff deprogrammers casually Mm -hmm. now what has held over from that time though is people just keep mentioning it casually as if it's not a harmful thing but and yeah. it just shows that no one's actually ever bothered to read a book about it ever. And it's like, please, please hmm. do, please do. It's terrifying. Please do. Right. So that that sucks. I like how the guy's just like, oh yeah, you guys do programmers, and I'm like, ah yes, that thing that once you have a word for it, it just sounds official and clinical, so now it doesn't matter. Yep. That's its own thing, and I, that really is all I have to say on it because much like the episode, yeah. the episode doesn't even use it as an actual thing anyway, so there's no point. But what I really hate is of all the forcedness of this show, this is where of this episode, this is where it really starts to hammer fucking home because this motherfucker, Civvy Dad, as I keep calling him, he walks up to motherfucking Jacob and just like out of literally fucking nowhere and you have the transcript you can vouch for this says something along the lines of oh yeah and your son is in you're there the too father. you're the father it's like and you know this how and I, I love how sam doesn't do like a like a reaction in the background like how did you know like there's nothing going on there that well there's also the fact that his son is not right in but there. what i mean by that is it should have been it, there should have been a sam moment there because when, when, all he says is is the father so sam is his kid too yeah so exactly sam should have, right should have thought for at least a second Especially since she's also unconcerned about her brother, apparently, most of the time. So it doesn't even slightly not track to me that she should have had a weird reaction there, and doesn't. I would have had a weird reaction yeah, there. Yeah, it's almost as if she knew the line was coming. It's weird. Uh, hmm. And 
maybe because they didn't want to detract from it, because they wanted it to be a nat. Oh, I flicked, I flicked the microphone. I was going for the quotes here. A natural conclusion for Civi Dad to come to with like, mm, I sense a father bond here. It's like, yeah, because my kid is literally three inches away from me. She's right yeah, here. She's standing right next so to me. So it's problematic all around for the dialogue. The literal word choices throughout it are just crap. <laughs> but on top of that being weird it's also fucking clunky as shit because he just randomly walks up to him and goes you're the father no my son isn't in there and i'm like why are you telling him this what is this why are you also sensing the bond is your estranged son sense tingling or something like how do you the whole scene is ridiculous and the dialogue the more you re-listen to it which i did like four times the more you mm -hmm. want to cry because it is just distasteful in its level of bad there's a good chance that jacob's really forced to know my son isn't in there had to be added in because maybe test audiences were confused after that first bit and were like wait is mark in there because i for a second was like wait is he here because Mark's in the cult? Right, but that's what I mean. Is that the whole thing doesn't make sense. It's 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 by insistence of the writer or the director that it's forced in here. He, yeah, it doesn't have any place. Not just because no, I shouldn't even be able to make this instantaneous connection somehow. But on top of that, why the fuck is close to the vest Jacob, who lies to his own daughter on a regular basis, mind you, randomly mm -hmm. telling brand new to the situation, dude, anything, much less. Not just a negative to this particular question, but also additional information layered in there. I mean, I just... Yeah. He doesn't even talk to his long-term friend, Hammond, with this much openness. No. So you can't even say it's, it's like, a, it's oh no, it's because he's, he's a man and therefore... No, no that's, that's not it either, because he sees lots of men and he doesn't... No! It's just... Nope. It's not even forced. It's just bullshit. It just... It, reality takes a check takes a break for a couple of seconds for this entirely bizarre-ass scene to happen. And it's not even, like, you'd think a fantastical scene would be the one that breaks me. But no, it's this one. No, it's no, this. It's this one that departs from reality for a few solid scenes of dialogue and interactions. And also, by the way, you know there's also another father in there who also, coincidentally, doesn't have much of a reaction. And that would be Jack. Like, they're bringing up sons here, and he's... I mean, he's managing uh, to never... Teal'c is also oh, yeah, I also forgot about Teal'c being a dad because This Teal'c episode is such a bad didn't dad. forget about yeah. that, but it does There's go... two fathers, you're right. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get but there. there you go. This scene sucks. I could honestly keep going, keep going, but fuck this bizarre shitty scene. Because yeah, it was... It broke bad. me. It literally broke me a little, Mel. So, basically, he's like, hey, you, would you take extra pay if you can get my son out as well? And Jack's like, you know, listen, you help us, maybe we'll help you. Um, hey, because you might be Mercs. Can I give you some money to grab yeah. my son, a random strange person to you, and safely deliver to him to me? I can trust you, right? Yeah, of course. Um, and so basically because he's been, you know, camping out around this area for God knows how long, he knows, like, all of the surrounding gate and all of the... He's got the best details on this area. Um, so he shows them around the gate and everything, and... We cut immediately to, um, right up against the shortest fucking gate that they could have just climbed over, honestly. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, I do actually have a tiny issue with this, um, because we cut immediately to them crouched down in front of this gate, and Jack lights, uh, like, flicks a lighter on, and suddenly, like, the gate starts sparking and lighting up, and obviously, like, he lit something, but... <laughs> We don't see him light the thing. We just see him flick a lighter. So I wish they'd taken 
five seconds out of the awkward dad exchange earlier to show Jack putting the charges up on the fence. You are not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I got what it was afterwards when he, you know, kicked the sod through bit. I was like, oh, okay, I understand what was happening there. But I was very confused for a second. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what are you doing? Well, according to the trivia, uh, what he's actually physically using is called a thermite application with a magnesium fuse, and apparently it's capable of attaining 4,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Hmm, Okay, fair enough. It makes no sense to be used here other than for a cool effect, but... Yeah, so they're about to go in, and the guy's like, hey, take me with you. And Jack's like, uh, Daniel is the one who goes, um... No. No. (laughs) I mean, I guess I don't judge the guy for wanting to come. And I guess it makes sense that they're trying to do that red herring thing, that it would make sense that they're trying to show him be a bad guy, potentially, that he would want to be a stick close or whatever to betray them, but still. I don't know. This man sees that they are, like, kitted out. Like, kitted out. And he thinks he's just gonna walk in there with, what, a rock in your hand? (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. This guy thinks they're mercenaries, right? Freelance. Commando style. That means that these are- these are people- under no one's authority but their own, with weapons that no one issued them, they yeah. issued themselves. Yes. With permission, they also issued themselves. Issued themselves. <laughs> and with any possible number of infiltration tactics on their mind from coming up soon. So, yes. so, so, it's really fucking cute that you would want to be around that. Much less yeah. would trust it to not backfire miserably on you. Like, if I asked to go with them, I'd immediately go, actually, you know what, never mind, I want to stay here, because my next thought would be, wait, I wait, want to live. I want to live, because what's to stop you using me for cannon fodder, for example? Yep, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, that's only one of so many potential options there. It's just really funny. I, if I saw anybody, anybody, non-military especially, or somebody who clearly has military training but isn't in the military anymore, because that's never not terrifying, I mean, in the sense of, like, they're operating as if they're in the military. Yeah. But they're clearly not (laughs) with all of their lack of stuff. That's called a warning sign. That's the thing. So let's, honestly, best case is that it's mercenaries. Because worst case is that it's off the books American soldiers, which is even worse for you because they need everything to be off the books. I would not be volunteering to go with them because that's volunteering to go walk into the grave. I mean, seriously. Uh-huh. That's like that's that same guy who walks into the basement in a horror movie. It's like, oh, cool, so you two have chosen death. Yes. But yeah, uh, so uh, I was honestly shocked because I was like, cool, you're just going to trust that he's going to stay outside this fence? But he does. They're, they're almost as dumb as he is. <laughs> I, I, same note. I was so annoyed. I'm like, why are they just yeah. leaving this guy willy-nilly around them throughout the entire episode? Who is Was this guy like an actor, a famous actor? or something back then like did they pay a certain amount of money to have him in the episode so then they had to like maintain um, if he's a famous actor i'm it wasn't I'm in the tree because he's not a good actor no, he was yeah i mean i don't remember i don't his face didn't stand out to me and i've seen them have an extra in an episode for like four seconds max so i don't mm-hmm. know why they were so dedicated to this guy other than because of the fu- stupid jacob daddy bridge thing i don't know it's bad um, but yeah, so they sneak in, and they're just basically trying to get a lay of the land inside where they can get a look at guard patrols and how how much weaponry everyone has. And they're like, wow, he's got a lot of fucking weapons. But specifically, they notice that everyone's got zats on their hips. They're like, okay, this is definitely Seth. 
the goal that we're looking for. Jack, I do appreciate Jack's attempt at humor at the worst time, because it's like, yeah, you know, middle, middle oh, yeah, of, the, <laughs> of an infiltration recon mission thing, now's the time for humor. But he makes a cute yeah. little gun wait time joke, like, oh, do you think they waited the mandatory 15 days? And I was like, yeah, it's, it's funny, because gun culture in the U.S. is a terrifying waking nightmare. Mm -hmm. But yes, funny. Hilarious. I mean, he's in the military. <laughs> I don't know. True. If I had to have somebody make a gun joke, I would definitely prefer it to be the active military member who is trained and so forth. But yeah, so they're basically like, okay, that's definitely zats on their hips. Um, this is definitely the guy we're looking for. And they're like, okay, well, we obviously can't just like storm in at this point. Um, so they retreat back to he calls it the RV point. I don't know what that means. I think it's, I, I, I assumed it was short for rendezvous. Okay, okay, makes sense. Yeah, so like, okay, let's go back to the rendezvous point. And as soon as they walk through the hole in their fence, they're uh, um, confronted by, oh, sorry, earlier, right after they talked with the, the crazy dad, as they were leaving to follow him to the fence, um, they mentioned how they're being watched from afar, and we do get a cut to a cherry picker in the distance where a guy is watching them from binoculars and jack is like oh you know either they're either fbi or atf this episode so then, wouldn't now, know subtle if it bit it on the ass yeah right um so then now they walk out of the fence and they're immediately surrounded by men with guns on them they get taken to the atf surprise it's the atf <laughs> the atf base camp um and this guy starts you know questioning uh, Jacob, as, like, the oldest person there, I'm assuming he thinks this guy's in charge. Nothing in this episode makes Apparently, sense. I stopped questioning. Well, he also, he also identifies him as general, so, like, did they take their patches off? Wait, he does identify him as general? Yes, he calls Jacob general. What? Does Jacob introduce does. himself, then? I don't know. Or they took off the identifying patches? Go back in the transcript a little. He explicitly calls Jacob General right, and but, assumes well, that Jacob is in charge. What about the scene before that, though? Like, what was the lead-up to this? Literally, he pulls a gun on them at the gate and identifies themselves as ATF, and then we scene cut to the base camp where he's talking to Jacob, calls him General, and asks what the Air Force is doing here. Oh, okay. I just assumed it was after a debrief. Okay. I think they but, just I mean, cut to after How the much of a debrief? They, they're very specific about the fact that they're not telling them anything this whole time. Yeah. I think the episode the also did, didn't know think, how this would have worked, so they just kind of pretended it didn't happen. I think debrief in this instance in um, basically involves taking the cover patches off of their uniforms to show, look, we're, we're Air Force. Oh, sorry, did they have... Okay, I just assumed they had taken off their patches, period, because wouldn't that make more no, sense? No, they were covered. Okay, I'm not disagreeing with you, I just think it's really dumb if the military does this, because isn't that kind of dumb? Because, like, isn't the point of that is... If somebody were to find, like, your body, or you get hurt and get left behind or something and captured, I thought the point was so that they couldn't recover any marks on you. If you just cover okay, it up, so then they're still going to be able to see the mark. Here's an issue where, you know, once again I'm revealing I don't know anything about the military. They were definitely wearing patches. Uh, they just didn't have anything on them. I, I, thought I assumed were... they were patches that were covered, but maybe they were just the blank patches. Yeah, I, think they, I, I just assumed it was the Velcro spots where the patches go on. I thought they were just empty. No, because Bala wears like something 3D'd, similar later. And they didn't look like Velcro. They looked like patches. I just, I just need to know. I'm just going to really... I have it up. One sec. One sec. <laughs> 
I'm going to be fast. See, when I was watching it, I assumed it was a cover yeah. on their patches, but now, I don't know, maybe they were... I mean, blank patches, I guess, makes sense, too. I just, at that point, I just want to know why they don't just take them off. I'm trying to get it to freeze frame long enough so I can actually look at that. I'm just waiting for Daniel to stop being cute and actually hold still long enough. Because <laughs> he's doing that thing where he moves his shoulders a whole bunch. Okay, that both looks like... No, that's just Velcro. That's just Velcro. It's just the fuzzy Velcro part. It's just the fuzzy part without the hooks. Is it? It didn't look fuzzy at all. It's because it's really hard to tell. It's the, um, I don't know, maybe it's just something about the texture of it or whatever, but I saw, I can see why it looked like a patch as well, because it looks like where it's, like, slapped onto the uniform, where it's, like, the, mm-hmm. the Velcro part is sewn on. I don't, I don't know what it is about the make, but it just, um, it looks like a patch. It doesn't look like the thing that holds yeah, the patch. Yeah, it looks like a patch, right? Um, I could be wrong still. Like, I'm just... I'm squinting, and it's blurry. I mean, but... ultimately, the effect is the same. Yeah. Either way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I wasn't so trying I to be ultimately... right. I just wanted to know what the fuck was happening. <laughs> yeah, I think ultimately a debrief in this instance is them identifying themselves as Air Force and maybe giving their names. I don't know. But that guy knows that Jacob's a general and assumes that Jacob is in charge. Um, So he keeps... This is actually another one of the small things about this episode I like. But I actually like that... He sees the oldest person here, Jacob, and he knows he's a general. He assumes he assumes he's in charge of the operation. So he's asking Jacob all these questions, and Jack keeps answering him because Jack's the one in charge. <laughs> yeah, so it basically consists of him asking a lot of questions and Jack every time going, classified, classified, classified. And the ATF guy's like, I have the highest clearance. And he's like, no, you no, don't. You don't. <laughs> if that were true, you would not be hearing me say the words classified. Uh-huh. And yet. Classified. Classified. Well, yeah, so he, he he says, I have top level clearance. And Jack goes, oh, not top enough. <laughs> uh, see, this is, he absolutely assumes that Jacob is in charge because he still is ignoring Jack <laughs> and tells Jacob, you have rather insubordinate. You have a rather insubordinate subordinate general, and this is where Jacob finally goes. I'm not in charge here. It's one of the few scenes of good construction. The only thing I don't like about it is something I just don't like about Jack, <laughs> which is he's a bit of a dick sometimes for for no reason other than because he can be. But I also like how here maybe it isn't just because he can be. I like the dynamic. I think by letting it play out, Jacob was able to get a feel for the guy which like how much patience he has for example uh how much he's able to continue to not just have patience but be focused on what's important in a moment which in this case is the Mm -hmm. information getting you know how dedicated he is to his craft kind of thing and this guy's shirt by the way his sweater is some dad level sweater skills so i think Mm -hmm. he was assessing the whole picture as as a thing and letting jack poke needles at him because Jack's also in on this because of course he's also smart yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. as, a, as a team the two of them had the unspoken ability to go yeah right this guy checks out and then that's when they kind of start responding because that's when Jacob yeah. starts you know this is much more in character when he starts volunteering information yeah so um this guy there's actually another good little uh credit to the actors and because this I don't know this seems like something that was definitely improved by Richard Dean Anderson uh-huh. Uh, but this guy mentions that, like, oh, this compound is owned by the uh, the cult. It's run by a guy named Seth Fargo. <laughs> F-A-R-G-O-U-G-H. But, and this, I think, has to be a Richard Dean Anderson improv, because after he, immediately after he says that, Jack just mouths silently to Daniel, Fargo? <laughs> like, really? He went with that name? <laughs> 
improv made sense to me because that seems like a very natural um, chemistry moment between the two characters, which is something the actors would have on point by now. Yeah, so this guy's basically like, look, we have plans here. We're going to surround the cult and negotiate with them to get them to come out peacefully. And Daniel's like, um, no, no. (laughs) But he specifically says, like, you have no idea what you're dealing with. And he's like, oh, and you do? And Daniel's like, yeah, (laughs) of all people, I do. (laughs) Like, out of everyone. Daniel knows best, honestly. Yeah, but Daniel's used to being underestimated. Underestimated. Yeah, but he's like, oh, really? So why don't you tell me? And Jack's like, also classified. You remember that word? I've been saying this whole classified. Here's the thing. If this ATF guy is there, that means that there's an ongoing um, investigation of some sort. And if Mm -hmm. the information they got about this Seth guy was information they got from that particular bureau of the government then how did they not know about this ongoing investigation and how come this episode didn't just happen differently where they just skipped that bullshit recon scene and or not skipped it just like did it differently where they intro it as going to meet this atf guy do a little less dick wagging and a little more hey we're kind of commandeering a little bit as in we need to get in there hey you also want in so work with us and we can do this if you still wanted to have some you know confrontation or whatever crap there because they wanted to introduce this weird jacob has a son as well storyline and then and then if you wanted to you could move the recon scene until after that just switch these two scenes basically and then the recon scene with forced introduction to civvy dad could happen and at that point jacob's already at least talked to somebody else so it's a little less out of left field that he's randomly espousing shit to a a new rando but that's just my that's just my two cents this whole episode's pretty poorly constructed, it to be honest. It seems like an episode that did not go through editing. It's odd. No. Like, there was, it just feels very unrefined. It feels like an episode he had to write in a day. Yeah, it feels like Suicide Squad. You know, when you find out that David Ayer, Ayer uh, wrote that in a weekend? It's like, ah. I'm not surprised. Yeah, right? That makes that, sense. That, 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 is, that is exactly what two days worth of effort will get you. And all of the songs that are play, placed uh, heavy-handedly in the scenes he was listening to on his phone while he was writing those scenes. <laughs> yeah, this episode is what we call a start. So yes, so he's basically like, you know, look, you guys don't have jurisdiction here, so uh, ultimately, I don't care how classified it is, we're in charge. And, Wouldn't the uh, U.S. Jacob... Marshals make more sense here than, than, than the ATF? Because the Marshals have jurisdiction every, well, I guess the ATF too as well. Never mind, I'm, I'm, I'll see myself out. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so at this, at this point, Jacob like points at a phone nearby and he's like, is that a secure line? And he's like, yeah. He's like, cool. Jack, you want to make a call? <laughs> and so then we obviously know Jack's calling, um, I would assume Hammond and Hammond called the president. So they, while they're waiting for Hammond to get a hold of his BFF, the president, they're talking about I'm start digging how... that <laughs> It should. It's it's an important phrase. But yeah, so they're talking about like what possible things they'll have to deal with in there, uh, and they're like, you know, is there brainwashing going on? And Jacob's like, yeah, it's probably a an organic compound that he calls Nishta. It's whatever sci-fi yeah, TV exactly. bullshit you need that gets you it what is you a need. Stronger, it is a stronger version of what Hathor does. Yeah, it's Because it can affect all genders. Even in non-sci-fi, there's always the requisite something. It's the truth serum in Ant-Man. Yeah. And it is 
this here. The Nishta. it is the requisite brainwashing technique and or material that you use to do said brainwashing, and you don't need to question yeah. it because it's so everywhere. They directly compare it to Hathor's, but he says that it's stronger. But he also says, at much like Hathor's mist, um, that I uh, just punched the desk. <laughs> He says uh, it's also much like Hathor's Mist. It's got a very strong weakness where once you've uh, been cured of it once, you're immune to it. Just like how they were all immune to Hathor the second time around um, in the last episode that we just had. And he also explains that a single strong shock would... Um, yeah, this is, this, is, this is the part where I'm going to find the exact uh, text I sent you here. Sorry, but he explains that a single strong shock will knock someone out of the effects of being um, controlled by it. They say that. Teal points out that Nishta is what um, Apophis used on Ryak. And it's also why him shooting his son with a zat cured him. And this is when I sent you this message right here. Glasner really out here doing his best to defend Powers' wild decision to solve brainwashing with a zat, huh? First off, you cannot just deprogram somebody with electroconvulsive therapy, because that's just not how- it's, it's not just a one-size-fits-all, cure-all technique, holy god. Two! No. No, it didn't work in that concept either, in that episode, as we talked about in that episode. And three, here, I like how that not only is it half-assed, but it makes it somehow worse. It's like he actually went back at that point and saw that episode and, oh my god, Catherine, how did you- That's not how- What? That's not how deprogramming works, Catherine. Then he went, hold my beer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was just like, wow, okay, okay, Glasner. But yeah, so they're trying to figure out what they're going to do to, you know, break his hold on everybody and solve all this. Um, and they're basically deciding we can't do a frontal attack. Why not exactly? Because um, they could just easily take care of this problem based on later events with their rap- The rapidity of their shots makes me think right? that this isn't really a problem. I think- Frequency, I there we go. The it's frequency of their shots. because we wanted to have- it's because we wanted to have the creepy um, Sam kneeling at Seth's feet scene for some reason. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <sighs> uh, so meanwhile, ATF guy gets a phone call from Hammond's BFF, the president, who's basically like, yo, they're in charge of this operation. <laughs> and he tries to be like, with with all due respect, sir. Blah, blah, blah. And, it, it's just, and the president's like, no, they're in charge. <laughs> I find it impressive as fuck, and actually a tiny bit of good writing, because it does develop this character that's barely given any screen time. It actually de gets developed a little bit with this tiny scene, because whoever is brave enough to remember what their job is and actually potentially talk back to the president- Argue with the president, yeah. That's somebody with a titanium spine, and uh -huh, he does uh -huh. it very respectfully. And doesn't even act like a massive asshole afterwards. He's just kind of no. like, holy shit, afterwards. So, th honestly, let this guy, give this guy some praise for how he handles this, this situation. Absolutely. And then afterwards, give them a goddamn raise. Absolutely, he deserves a goddamn raise. Or at least a bonus. Uh, but yeah, so he, he calls them back in and he's like, so, I just talked to the president and I guess you're fucking in charge now. <laughs> 
But again, not in a... They didn't go down a super contrived shitty route with him being like a macho posturing asshole about it. He's just kind of... Not even like dejected about it. He's just kind of like, huh. Well, fuck. Okay, I guess you guys are in charge. <laughs> and then he just goes with it. Because he still has a job to yeah. do. Yeah, and I... um, But he's even still like, come on. Your team's so weird. You've got civilian scientists in it. And... and What's going on? Is there some sort of weird, like, technology or something? And then, so Jack's like, look, I'll, I'll throw you a bone. <laughs> Just because he's, like, he, he's giving him bullshit that he knows he'll accept because it's absolutely the kind of Black Ops bullshit that they, you know, pull under the covers anyway. Yeah. And it's something that, like, since he thinks he's being handed, being given a bone, he'll keep it to himself, you right. know? Like, oh, I got trusted with this information, you know? Especially since he's basically said, okay, you know, you guys are in charge. Uh, but he's like, you know, he's gotten a hold of some top secret technology that we don't want to fall into the public hands quite yet. And he's like, ah, okay, that makes sense. And then he's <laughs> he not technically wrong. Yeah, sort he of. He some tiny, tiny, tiny bits of truth in there. Like, for example, if that closet full of zats got out... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's not totally lying. He's just not saying it's an alien. So they basically decide that they're going to... Um, so so Daniel tells them that um, if he's kept his MO, which has been his entire way of doing anything in this episode, um, he should have secret entrances, secret tunnels into the place somewhere. And Jack's like, there's a lot of ground to search here. Uh, he's like, well, we can use all the ATF team as well. They're still here. Might as well. So, you know, they get everyone to search the ground around the compounds. But of course, despite the fact that Jack pointed out, there's a lot of ground out here. We need more legwork. Of course, SG-1 is the people to find the tunnel. They found the tunnel in and they're like, okay, now what do we do with that tunnel in? And they're... Big risk is if we go in there and get dosed, then we're fucking out of luck. And Jacob points out, he's like, oh, well, me and Teal wouldn't be affected by it, by the nishta. Um, and Sam points out, yeah, but he'd also be able to sense your gold, which is like, why wasn't Hathor able to sense the gold in the Tok'ra agent last episode? But yeah, I just had a problem with that, where it's like, cool, should forget about that last episode? Yeah, because it, no, here's the thing, I, I, I often will say like, yeah, because the writers didn't know, or the writers forgot. Sometimes it isn't because they forgot, they knew, they just don't want you to know, so they're just going to pretend it's not real. Unless she was always supposed to have a larva in her, and Hathor just thought she sniped, like, someone higher up from somebody? But in that case, you should have said it in this episode somewhere, because... We're wildly confused as to how she didn't realize this Tokra was here. Yeah, I I never really did consider it, but maybe it was never that she didn't sense it. Maybe it was just that it was a, a, a Goa'uld that she thought was following her. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, we almost never see... We only ever really see system lords in bodies. Otherwise, they're in Jaffa. Which, granted, there's definitely other ones. Like but we've never seen them. That's why it's like, you. Sh yeah, well, he's also the, ch right. the so son there's, of uh, the thing, system there's lord. Children and uh, consorts are given bodies. Which is why there should have been a line about her being a consort or a child of somebody. Because otherwise, it's like, how did she not know... That she was a yeah, right. I'm trying to. I'm desperately trying to think of like any examples of like just regular go old. Like 
And they were always just former or current consorts yeah. of mm-hmm. system lords, people with power. Yeah. They weren't just average Joes. It, here's the thing. It can't be the actual case, because then what the fuck are all the other larvae for? Obviously, it's to go Unless... take care of their Jaffa army, but are they telling me that these heartless creatures are so heartless that they just let their children die when they're done? Well... The cloning becomes a thing later on, so maybe. I mean, I'm guessing, honestly, when the thing becomes old enough that it's time for implantation, I'm guessing that if it's not an important chosen one child, it's probably just tossed. Tossed away, yeah. I mean, if you can reproduce that many, that much, that fast, and you do a targeted inheritance system... See, I actually, I think I buy that they wouldn't, that they would just toss the larva instead of giving them a host, because of the fact that system lords are so obsessed with keeping their power... And any lower goal they gave a body to suddenly becomes a threat. Yeah. So this was obviously, like, a bunch of people who at one point just really whittled themselves down to a a group of leftovers, and then they styled themselves as gods and went off and found a different Mm -hmm. place. I'm not not complaining about it. It's kind of a cool backstory, but damn. But I wish they'd put any of that in this yeah, show. <laughs> yeah, because I've been watching for years, and granted, I don't I don't ever really go that in-depth on the Go Old, because I, honestly, until now, some of these questions just never really came up for me. Not, like, in a hardcore right? fashion. That's why we talk for yeah. three hours but as in a, this podcast. Yeah, but as a result of that, it's, yeah, what what's with all the kids then? I know it's obviously to keep the mm-hmm. army going. Yes. And especially since once the ancients are actually properly introduced, they go into that hard. Oh, yes, they and I do. know it's because of all the shit that the ancients are used to set up, but the Goa'uld could have also been used to set some shit up, so it's just interesting. They really should have, considering they're the big bads. Yeah, it's odd. It's definitely a failing of the show, and we say that as people who love this show, but that's definitely a weak point where it's like, what what, what happens to all these larvae? What's going on? Yeah, they already retconned so much from the original movie that... It doesn't mm-hmm. even matter because like it was you know, raw was supposed to be the last of his kind originally, and also can you know noticeably not a snake, <laughs> a different humanoid form, honestly more Asgardian yeah. looking than anything. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, they've already he has retconned. The big gray they, kind yeah, of. they've already retconned plenty. Abydos was in a different galaxy originally. I mean, they've retconned plenty, so it's fine. Why didn't they? I, I don't know. It's weird. 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 It's it's, it's a minor yeah. it's a minor flaw in the scope of things, considering how long it takes to get to that layer, but. It does come out yeah. in kind of like in moments like this, honestly, too, where it's just, you, you come upon it as a result of, wait, so how does this guy even get here? <laughs> yeah. But so basically, Sam points out, like, you got, you guys would get spotted immediately. And this is where I'm like, cool. You remember people can sense you too, right, Sam? Right, Sam? <sighs> oh, I... Duh, uh, I just realized there's another thing too that they could possibly, they're probably doing. I don't do fisheries or hatcheries, so I don't really think about this shit. But I bet it's like more like a farming thing. That's probably why they always constantly have yeah. eels, uh, snakes, snakes on handy. Is once they mature, they don't necessarily toss them. They just probably select the best for breeding and then put those in a pool for breeding and then just continuously. Well, breed we'll them. also see in later episodes the system lords just straight up eating them. Oh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. That answers part of that too. Yep. Keep going with the episode. I'm just gonna take a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was violently frustrated with this episode for having Sam point out they will notice Tilk and and uh, Jacob, but not her. And of course, that shoots them in the foot in this episode. Yes, the idea was to never get that close because it does tend to be a close proximity thing. 
But still, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. This is me also grasping at straws. The beauty yeah. of this episode so, never stating um, anything is that nothing makes sense and nothing can be explained. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, well, you know, and Jack, uh, Daniel's like, well, if we get shot by like a Zed or something, that'll snap us out of it, right? And they're like, yeah. And so Sam's like, wait, I have an idea. And so she comes up with these little, um, these little earwigs that everyone can wear that she hooked up to uh, give everyone a little shock, and I'm like, I don't know about having electricity that close to the ear. Same <laughs> note. Same note. <laughs> My dad would hate me for telling anybody this, but he's deaf as fuck, and he had almost those exact same uh, hearing aids actually back in the day because same you know era. Um, he hated them for a multitude of reasons. But they, he was constantly having to take them out because the old ones used to have a lot of problems with feedback. So mm -hmm. to emphasize the point, every time he would take them out and, and yell at them, like I do oftentimes with my headphones, as you've seen, as you've seen me do, while I'll <laughs> yank them off and go, God damn, you're pieces of shit, and I'll throw them away. Yeah. He would kind of do that. He'd yank out the hearing aids all of a sudden, fuck around with the batteries, throw, them, uh, throw slap the little thingies, the little slots back in, and then he'd cup them in his hand and squeeze them together to make them the, the feedback extra amplify. And so his hand <laughs> would then just go, Wee! And he would just do that a couple times because he was an ass. <laughs> and then you'd put him back in. All my association was as a kid was whatever the fuck is in your hand is now on your eardrum. And you're telling me that's a good thing? So when that whole thing was going down, I was like, first off, I would never want that. It's an untested thing, too. So <clears throat> sorry. I don't care how smart you are, exactly. Sam. Plenty of smart people have killed themselves. I, Madame Curie was a very smart woman. And, she, and yep. you know, that did not stop her from dying from radium. So, you know, you couldn't pay me to let somebody test test an electrical device that's purposely now rigged to shock me. You couldn't pay me to test that on my eardrum, especially, no. especially not my eardrum of all places. I know it's not actually nestled on its eardrum, but it's close to fuck enough. It's in my ear, and I don't want it shocking me. I don't care. No. What happens if you did something wrong? What happens if anything went wrong? What happens if that hearing aid's a piece of shit? Where did you get the hearing aid? Why do you have a hearing aid? Why are we doing this? Questions that should have been asked instead of this are, hey, y'all have heard of tasers, right? Well, they wanted something. I understand on one hand, because they wanted something. I, I, I get it, but it doesn't work. Like, hand I get it buzzers. because hand buzzers. They needed something that would be less obvious to be taken away. No, just put it on your on your waistband. You're gonna be zapped every few minutes, and it's gonna suck. But it's still better than a shock to the fucking ear. No, you're right. No, they should have come up with like a bracelet or something. That is Sam's solution. She wires up some uh, earwigs um, to shock them, and I love how she tests it. While Jack and Daniel are wearing them, but she's not wearing her. <laughs> I don't disagree with her on that one. I think it was not just funny, but no. also the correct course of action. I don't disagree with her. I just, I thought it was funny. I was like, I was like, she's gonna get shit from them later right. for that. <laughs> no, there's a very logical reason for it, Mel. She can tell them straight up. It's like when you put a mask on yourself before other passengers. If she were to shock herself in the test and it went wrong, who would fix it? Exactly. No, it's fair. She has to keep herself good so she can keep them good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're planning, it's just going to be the three of them uh, breaking in, and they go in through the tunnel, and they get to this, like, big open silo area, and they're all kind of, like, looking around, like, okay, Daniel, what's next? And Daniel's like, what? Why are you asking me? Oh, was this... <laughs> 
Yes, you're gonna love this, Mel. Did you notice in the yeah. dark tunnel, when they're entering the tunnel, it's in the trivia too, um, obviously, it's, I, I'm guessing it was through multiple takes, and I'm guessing also Michael Shanks didn't know that he was still in shot angle enough or whatever, but his flashlight was out. Something he noticed as the scene was, like, as the take was beginning, because he clearly looks down, looks at it, at it, and notices it's out, puts it back, and then just continues the scene pretending it's not out. <laughs> And it's like, the light bulb is like barely there. So when, it's, when I say out, it's like, oh my God. He has my eternal respect for that. Because he just goes, whatever. And just keeps going. <laughs> he had the same amount of care uh, about that flashlight that then as the creators of this episode did about the episode. Yeah. But yeah, so his flashlight was my favorite part about that. I'm guessing he just thought that, that the camera didn't catch him like looking at it. Or that would be edited out, maybe, or something. Like, I'm guessing that yeah. that extremely obvious move where he looks at a not-working flashlight and then goes back like, maybe to Maybe that was literally just him in character being like, well, the other two have flashlights. But if it were in character, I feel like he would have done the shake-shake thing and then been like, whatever. But no, 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 he keeps pointing it like it's an active working <laughs> flashlight. It, it just, it, it, it amused the shit out of me. That's the closer you get to the camera, too, the more you... In a light I'm guessing it. that must have been part of it, yeah, because the closer you get to the camera, the more you can see that the light bulb is hella out. Like, it's so <laughs> dim, it's barely there. So my only guess, obviously, was that it was, you know, take seven by that point, and, the, you know, it was dying. <laughs> but it was very funny, and I thought you'd like it. That is funny. Um, so yeah, they get into the open silo, and Jack's like, what now, now Daniel? And Dan's like, I, I don't know, why are you asking me? And he's like, because you're the one who has the information on this. Because you were just talking about harems. He was talking about all this information he has. Oh, yeah, that, that when they were walking in the tunnels, Sam was asking him more information on how his cults tend to operate. And, of course, Daniel brings up that women are kept as a harem. And, and Sam's like, oh, yippee. It's like, you couldn't have told me this before we went in the tunnel? I do love her super, because that is a, it's a very accurate super. It's like, oh, great, harems. Super. And I'm walking into that. Thanks for telling me. Yeah. But no, my, my whole thing was that, uh, yeah, you're right, Daniel, we are asking you, because you've been espousing information this entire walk. This entire episode. Also, your tunnel thing is why we're here. It was your idea. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm so on their side but, here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, no, I'm not, not on his... Yeah, I'm not not on their side. I guess it's technically continuity, because that lines up with him from the movie, where he conveniently forgets Absolutely. to mention that it doesn't really hold over until after they get to the destination. Yes. But yeah, and he also, well, on the walk in the tunnels, mentioned that, like, uh, some men will be kept as guards outside, and the men kept inside are eunuchs. And Jack's super not thrilled about that. As snippety like, Jack's doodah. Jack's there an hour. He's not going to turn you into a eunuch in an hour. Calm down. Yeah, but how else? You know, we always are rightfully upset about the easy targets that women are on TV. I don't know if it does men any favors that they're such an easy target where every single time something could possibly be related to their dicks, it becomes an insecurity joke for men. Right. Where the first thing they're thinking of is, oh my god, I hope they don't cut my dick off. And it's like, you know, I feel like maybe he would have still been concerned with saving the world and eliminating this yeah. fucking system lord they're trying to come get. Or maybe the fact that uh, we're bringing Sam into a place with a dude who keeps a harem. Yeah, it's like, you know, also black ops professional, you know, any of the other things that would occupy yeah. instead. But yes, so uh, they're in the silo and Daniel's like, I... In all the old ones, all the old examples of this, there were stairs. And they're kind of just, like, looking around. And then, like, 
I actually think the pause for this is a good timing. I think the timing of this is good. Because after he mentions stairs, they're just kind of looking around at the big empty room for a minute. And then after like a couple of beats, the teleporting ring comes down on them. It's like, yeah, those are the stairs now, Daniel. Hey, I like it because... I actually thought the timing for that was quite well placed. Yeah, I mean, it was it was still dramatic, but it, it, let's, it, uh, let me put it this way. If that scene had happened in an episode that up until that point had not been consistently irritating me, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. I would have been like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. how TV show timing works. Galaxy Quest yep. made jokes about it for a reason. You know, it's cool. Yep. It was a bit dramatic in this one, but only because I was... It, you can't not notice the sea of it at this point in this episode, so, yeah. But it yeah. wasn't terrible. It was not. It was... I think they were really trying to flout that season three budget. Yeah. Oh, they do a they do a thing later on that I actually think they do a pretty good job with it with the CGI, uh, and we'll get to that. So they get taken up in the rings to the middle of the room where they are surrounded by people with guns. And they're like, oh, well, shit. We should have done this differently. I don't know what else they could have done, to be honest. I do. Frontal assault. They were worried about them taking their own lives. I just would have liked a frontal assault with zats because they make this not a problem later. I know it's because they're concentrated and not in the act of, and not yeah. trying to fight them and so forth. And, mm-hmm. you know, unguarded. Un- I, I understand that I'm being an idiot, but still, I would have liked <laughs> a different approach. Yeah. No, I get you. It would have been nice if they'd spent more than 10 minutes on a plan. Yeah. So, uh, they get brought before Seth, who is Daniel's dad, and... <laughs> <laughs> Do you wonder if Michael Shakes remembered that was his dad? I I don't I don't want to know what happened on set that day. I know that they are capable <laughs> of making some truly disgusting jokes from according to the convention videos, so I'm imagining in one of the first takes when they get confronted with Seth, Michael Shakes just being like, Dad? <laughs> no one can see how violently you hate this. <laughs> This is making me think about that thing I had to bleep out of an episode once. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> so Seth basically immediately doses them. And da- Jack, of course, makes another um, scared, don't touch my dick joke right before he passes out. But then we cut to Sam waking up, and they've changed her clothes, and she's wearing the the cult uniform now. And she's already, like, drinking the Kool-Aid because she's dosed with the Nishta. And I hate everything after this <laughs> deeply in my soul. At least in this case, yeah. it was most likely other women from the no, harem. No, I'm sure it was, but it still sucks. So while it's still horrifying, that does at least explain story-wise why Seth still hasn't picked up on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, they're basically about to have a service, um, and Sam's super excited about that because she's drinking the Kool-Aid now. Um, and everyone gets let in, and of course, like, all of the guys are sitting, like, a normal distance away, like, sitting forward towards Seth to, like, listen to him talk or whatever, and all the women are sprawled at Seth's feet, like, touching his leg. All the women are stroking him, and all the men are lecture-style while they get to soak in his knowledge and wisdom while the women get to soak in other things. It's disgusting. I hate it. I hate every time the camera focuses on Sam's face and she has to look doughy-eyed at him. So, of course, like I pointed out earlier, uh, with Sam touching Seth, he uh, pretty quickly senses the traces of Jolinar in her. 
he's like, are you gold or, or Tok'ra, basically? Uh, are you a system lord or Tok'ra? And at first she's confused, because obviously she's been dosed. Um, but she eventually is like, wait, I think I have vague memories. Tok'ra. This episode makes no sense. First off, a real quick detail I did just remember. The finale, the season premiere, like, just happened. So I like how they didn't have that throwaway line where Jack offhandedly has to acknowledge that it's a good thing that go old that just died in me isn't going to leave a mark or something. You know, but that's just completely not yeah. to be mentioned. Um, nor no. will it be ever again. This drug thing. I know it's supposed to cloud you and you know, all the stuff. I was I thought I had missed a detail or something because when Jack and Daniel start lying, I was like, oh, so they're in, they're in control. So they've been zapped. They, they were at that point. Okay, I missed something then. You did miss a detail. Okay. So basically, after she says Tok'ra, uh-huh. uh, he decides to gather all three of them up because obviously they came in together. Right, right. And we cut to the ATF tent where oh, right. uh, Jacob and Teal'c are like, they're made, we That's need right. to trigger I was, it now. I was, this happens a lot. Sometimes I pause, sometimes I don't, and just go straight to angry typing, and I think this was a moment where I went to angry typing, and yep. So yeah. this is why, thank you. So mm-hmm. at this point, he triggers it right as they're all standing in a line in front of him. And that's when Jack and Daniel both start lying. Okay, so we did skip over the bit where um, Civvy dude, Civvy dad's in the tent with them. Oh, d- yeah, I guess that did happen around yeah. that time. Yeah, we already talked about it. It just He's makes just no like, sense. Why is Civvy dad in... there? Why? It's, it's honestly so he can talk to Jacob, but why are they letting yeah. this happen? In real life story format here, guys, why he, would this make he sense? He poorly pours hot coffee on his hand. It's it's stupid. So he Seth somehow Seth somehow knows that Jack and Daniel are lying to him. Don't know why. They don't don't give us an answer for that. Cause I thought Jack and Daniel did a very good job of uh thinking on their feet and act and talking and acting like they were still under the influence. In a better episode, it could be construed that this guy has been obviously living in somewhat seclusion here for a while, only surrounded by, you know, drugged, fond yeah. admirers. It could be said that the guy is just really good at reading certain behavior by this point. And so anything that is any anything other than whatever glazed look is in their eyes, mm-hmm. maybe it's the absence of that that allows him to do it. Maybe, he's not, maybe it's not that he can't see the absence of a glaze so much as can read, you know, heart pulse, you know, jump. They'll be like, hmm, it's but jumping, they so they're lying. But yeah, that, that would have been a better episode that any of yeah. that would have been established. Here, it's just somehow he knows. They have time for that yeah. bullshit scene in the tent that we're basically just kind of not really going mm-hmm. into. And then they just don't mention the guy that the episode is named after. No. Uh, so he decides to have them taken, um, prisoner to a room, and of course they send, uh, he sends them with, see, this is why I think that he did not realize they were, they had been broken out yet, because he sends them away with a single guard. Yeah, he says take them away and kill them, which I thought was funny, he's like, I guess it's, it's too much effort for you to kill them yourself, I guess. Doesn't like to see it, you know, wants it done away from him. Yeah, I so it, he definitely doesn't know that they've broken out because he wouldn't send him away with a single guard you know, if that was the it case. It could just be a good element of his character here that he's just not an idiot, so he doesn't really care what the mystery is. He just knows that there's something afoot, and he does. They're connected it, to the token. He just knows that there's something amiss, and it's better to just kill now and leave rather than That's asking fair. questions because yeah, fuck it. 
Yeah, no, I'll I'll take it. It's fine. I just he shouldn't have had the then why would you lie to me thing there. In, in a better it's, episode, it would have it would have been nice to yeah. explain why he thinks they're under the impression under the influence and yet able to resist him. Like, oh, is this something you've come across before? Is this why are you know, disconcerted man. about this? Why are you still like why are why is Mel? What was it I said that one time? How is what is what how is why is who yeah. is what is how is why is there that is there you go. There so, you yeah. go. I don't know what it is or so, why it is, but this is how they decided to do it is by not. Yeah. So he sends them away with a single guard who of course happens to be is the son of the guy who was bothering them in the tent. Two minutes because ago. Because of course. Of course. Because of, of course, course. Out of 50 people in this place, the one guard they have is the guy that they know is in here. Sure. Sure. So basically, uh, because there's three of them and they're trained, they're able to get a hold of his zat and shoot him and break him out of the brainwashing. And he's immediately like, what am I doing here? What's going on? Oh, quick question. Yeah. Seth uses the word blending when he's talking about Sam uh, having traces in her system, and I got annoyed by that because I was like, wait, isn't that a Tok'ra term? Because it insinuates that it's a partnership? So if he's blending, does that mean that, if he's saying blending, does that mean it's also a go-old used term, which that doesn't make sense to me, um, or is it that he's making a guess immediately that it's Tok'ra and so is going to that leap of using their terminology? Or is it just um, bad writing, period? Say... It sounds like it might just be that one. <laughs> I would say it could be partially the second one and partially the the uh, other thing I think it is has to do with why there are no traces left on Jack, but there are for her. And it's because of the way Jolinar died in her and the fact that Jolinar used herself. I, we're going to call Jolinar her, I guess. Um, Jolinar used herself to save Sam. So, like, she ultimately... She yeah, broke no, down in the body. Herself, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she blended with Sam in death, whereas the way that the, the gold was killed out of Jack was it was like frozen out. Right. Of well, him. And, and it was not was a, a blend. That one was also just kind of like a this one episode only thing. Yeah, exactly. Versus other. But times. I think I think it's an L. I think it's a combination of he he did already think possibly Tokra. Because yeah, there couldn't be that many options. But honestly. also the <laughs> fact that like maybe they've seen this happen before. Where a gold has died in someone like this, and the way that it leaves traces is a blending kind of way. So yeah, they they find Tommy, the the son of the weird dad, hovering outside, uh, and they get him to take them to an armory where they find a a case full of zats, and they all get two of them each, and I guess they like talked with each other ahead of time and decided that like each one would in a row only shoot one person like because the fact that they all shoot at once with two zats at the same time and nobody double hits someone and kills them is amazing yeah so we have to assume they did yeah. some planning about aiming beforehand uh the memory thing seems to wipe them when they're under it but i like how once the kid is 
non-painfully, for some reason, uh, non-painfully zapped back into awareness, he's able to retain all useful information and be of, yeah, of, of continued course. use here. I know it's just there so that they can keep using him. It's just like, come on. I mean, it definitely didn't wipe memory because SG-1 knew what was going on afterwards and well, shit. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I didn't mean, like, it, I know it doesn't wipe it. I just find it funny that it makes it so that you can't access your memory when you're under the influence, which doesn't not make sense, but then while yeah. under that same influence, you can still make further memories, which I okay, would, yeah. I would, I, that I, part I, makes okay. less sense to me. Well, it's gold bullshit magic logic. So yeah, there you go. So, basically, with a handful of zats, they managed, and from the inside, um, and because everyone's, like, split up trying to get ready to leave or whatever, they manage to take down the whole, the whole place. And they start, as they, they basically shoot someone, break them out of their brainwashing, and get a whole bunch of them together. And I actually think they do this really well at this point, where they get to the place where the transport rings are for the underground tunnel, and Sam goes down with the first group. And then Sam is the liaison between the group and the tunnel out. Right. And she, uh, she you know, escorts people from the silo that the ring gets tr- brought down into to the tunnels where they get met by the ATF people at the outside. Don't worry, I'm keeping yes. it short. It's just part of the convenience of this episode is I had I had made a note when she was that when that scene was playing out because it was funny to me that as soon as the ring stopped, everybody immediately put on their hoods. And I was- I thought that too. I was, I was like, like why? why are you doing and this? And my first thought was, oh, maybe they told- Maybe, like, somewhere along the line, someone told them it's raining outside. But I was like, but then how would anyone know this? And why the, why the, why the? So I just knew it was a mistake somehow. I just didn't know what the mistake was. And then it came into It was clarity. a convenience. It came in, <laughs> yeah. Everything cleared up at the end. It was that way, when somebody's trying to escape, he can blend in with his hood. Uh, but yeah, so she's- She's helping them get through the tunnels. So basically, up on, up on the surface, Jack and Daniel are shooting people, getting them into groups, sending them down in the rings, and in the tunnels, Sam is escorting everyone out. And at this point, um, the ATF people and Jacob and Teal are at the entrance of the tunnel to help let people out and everything. And at this point, Seth is like, well, shit, I gotta get out of here. Uh, and he confronts Jack and Daniel and manages to throw them against a wall and knock them down. And His hand devices guess, just temper- do everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and distracts them long enough that uh, he gets into the ring himself and uh, immediately pulls up his hood. <laughs> which is why... when So everyone going down this tunnel, as soon as they stepped into the tunnel, started pulling up their hoods. And I was like, why? What are you doing? I know originally was, I cannot think of a single fucking reason why any one of these evacuees has to put on their hood, much less all of them. <laughs> Same. And then, when Seth escapes in the tunnel, he pulls up his hood, and I'm like, oh, it's so he could sneak right. by. Got it's it. It's still a flaw. <laughs> it's just slightly less. It's just part of this extremely unsubtle shit they've been doing the entire time. It's a very time. forceful... Yeah convenient tool. This episode is so rough around the edges. Yes, so rough. But yeah, so he he gets down there and Jack and Daniel oh he leaves a little bomb right between Jack and Daniel on the floor. <laughs> They're already unconscious. Just kill them, then set the yeah, bomb right? to clean up your trail, mm-hmm. then leave. It's literally just one extra little step and it involves no one being able to do anything about that non lethal non immediate yeah, lethal you know, thing you left. Like, you know what? No, I've actually solved the answer for why they didn't bring up that he's the first murderer. It's not because of Cain and Abel and the Bible and everything. It's because then everyone would be like, why did he order his 
followers to kill someone. Why did he not kill Jack and Daniel in this scene? If you start the episode by saying he is the first known murderer, and then he continues to fail to kill SG-1 on numerous occasions when he has the chance, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that doesn't really work with somebody who not just killed, but effectively killed and then dismembered. Yes. So yes. that's a level of cold-bloodedness that- So they didn't want to point that out to us, so we would be like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah, because the Seth of this episode behaves like a moron, and the, yeah, the Seth of mythology doesn't. But yeah, so he tries to escape um, with a hood up into the tunnels, and Jack and Daniel uh, get up along quickly quickly enough that they're like, oh, that's a bomb, let's leave. <laughs> so they also go down in the rings. Um, and this is actually one of those moments where they show off with their CGI, and for nine, late 90s CGI, I actually like yeah, it. Yeah, it, it wasn't um, terrible. Where the bomb goes off as the rings have, like, They've just deposited Jack and Daniel in the tunnel, and the rings are still sort of there. They're starting to go back up, and the bomb goes off at that point, and it breaks the rings, and you just see them sort of crumble. It's really cool. It's cool. Yeah, no, um, it's a great way of... I, maybe that's why they were CGIing it up beforehand earlier, is they were showing off the rings a bunch in like the last episode, too. Maybe not a bunch, but they've, yeah, they they've been, they've been mm -hmm. making sure that it was on screen, so that way they'd be like, and now it makes sense naturally for us to take it the next step further. So, No, I thought it was really yeah. good CGI. Sometimes they don't have good CGI. Sometimes they have fine CGI. I really like the CGI for yeah, this. Yeah, I just really also like that they used an element of the show, like using it in a different way. Yeah. It's continuity from the mm -hmm. movie, because they used the rings to deliver a bomb before. Yes. But yes, they have. It's a bright spot in this dark... Absolutely. Episode. Yeah. So as they went down into the tunnel to escape the bomb, they also let the rest of the team know, hey, he's in the tunnel somewhere. Also bomb. So everyone starts pulling down hoods. <laughs> like from both sides of the tunnel, they start pulling down hoods. And Sam, who's also doing it and starting to like meet towards the others in the middle, is doing that. But just lets this dude who purposefully turned away from her towards the wall walk past her without pulling his hood off. She stops him a second later, but it's like, he was right there, Sam. He was right there, and he purposefully turned towards the wall, and you didn't think that was weird? Well, here's the thing. You wouldn't believe what people will do when they're just trying to escape. Like, it has, I think, honestly, for me, that was one of the few things that just read as natural to me. It's not so much as, like, obviously it's meant to be, like, oh, I'm, I'm hiding. But in yeah. real life, I mean, there's people who will accidentally drown other people because it's just something to grab oh, onto. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just the mm -hmm. instinct. So I could totally see somebody, they're not thinking. They're just thinking, go. They're just, they're just going. They're, yeah. they're, they're free and they're going. They're not sure what the fuck's happening and some lady's grabbing clothes and they don't care. <laughs> it's, it's, Listen, I, I'm not here, I'm going. <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, ultimately, Jacob finds him. And he uh, uses his hand device to throw Jacob against the wall. And uh, Jacob had his own hand device at this point that he was going to use. But now he's, like, got a heel on the ground. So he hands it to Sam. He's like, you've got to do this. And she's like, I, I've never used one of these. What are you talking about? And he's like, you can do it. I believe in you. You have the power. And it's just like, but, like, doesn't tell her what to do. Just kind of, like, does, like, the you'll feel it also, kind of thing. And it's like, that's not... <laughs> she has definitely used a hand device before. She used a healing hand well, device, not a Well, it's the same device. kind of tech. 
Yeah, it's the same principle, well, they and they their look own stuff. the same. And I'm pretty sure it still just involves you going with your mind. Zap. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, you know what? I actually forgot about that because it's been a while. So that actually excuses my next point where, so she chases after him and is immediately able to use the hand device, no issues, yeah. to throw stuff against the wall. But if she's used other hand devices in the past and I just forgot about it, it would have been fine. a better in a better fine. episode. They would have had a quick moment of Selmac going, "You have the memories of Jolinar. I knew her. Something she like knew that. what she was yeah. fucking doing. Use it, you know." Yeah, that's fair. So um, she uses the hand device on Seth and kills him. And first try and everything. everyone is saved. Yeah. Oh, well, technically, she throws him first try and then does a. Yeah. That, I, I like the idea of what they were going for with the force of that concussive blast pushing him into the earth, basically. That uh-huh. was pretty cool. It's a concept. A little gross, but cool. <laughs> but yeah, so she kills him. Everyone's safe from the cult. Everyone gets to go home happy. And the episode ends with Sam and Jacob. Going to her brother's house to confront him in purpose, a purpose person. I like the Hail Dorothy scene. I like I like yeah. Jack's references. Oh, he loves making his Wizard of Oz references. That wrap up scene with the, with the, with Mark was clearly the whole premise, and then that particular reception from Mark was clearly not written by somebody who knows anything about estrangement because that's not how that would have gone down even remotely. No, it would have been a lot more cool, and it probably wouldn't have even have been in his home where his family is if they haven't even if he hasn't let his dad meet his family. I really doubt that he would have just been like, "Yeah, come on by." He would be like, "No, let's meet at a cafe, and I can I can assess you first, bitch." Right. Whatever. Sure. Happy family is happy. Positively one of the worst episodes in this entire show. And it's a jumble of nonsensically (laughs) bad writing, acting, and directing. Mixed with elements, mixed with examples of good versions of all of those things. Proving that they could have done something had they even wanted to. Oh, it was bad, man. May we never see its like again. Oh, we will. You know we will. Yeah, it's called season 10. Woo! (laughs) I don't judge season 10 as much. It's because they were just tired, man. Yeah. Ten years in, mm-hmm. you're allowed to be tired. Three years in, you have no excuse. This is just bad. Roughshod. I like that yes, word. It yeah. Was. This was roughshod as fuck. Roughshod as fuck. So, on that note, let's actually skip ahead to this. Surprising no one, but we still gotta have it said. Joaquin Phoenix for this episode. Can I grow m- more limbs so I can give it more thumbs down? No. Then just then I guess I'll just stick with the two. It's supposed to be just the one, but I, I always do two these days, if I can, for bad episodes. Because yeah, two. Two. Yeah, down. so thumbs down. down. It, it was... <sighs> you want to know why I didn't take notes on this episode? It's because to convince myself to wake up to watch this episode, I turned it on the TV and just laid in bed with my phone on while I watched it. I don't know how... It's not like it's worse than Emancipation. I still hate Emancipation. Oh, Emancipation's still the worst. This is so bad because it's so badly made. There's so many it's very sloppy. different pieces of bad put in it. This thing is as chopped up as Osiris. I don't like it. I Like we both said, um, feels like he wrote it in a day. I told Eric at one point that bomb scene, somebody, I, I told him this reads like someone had a cute idea of, it'd be really funny if Jack and Daniel came to from unconsciousness, saw a glowing bomb, and then went, bomb together and had a moment of camaraderie and broness as they as they do their escape and then crafted an entire episode leading up to that Ugh, god Ugh. so um speaking of jack and daniel are you a jack or are you a daniel i guess i'm da- i guess i'm daniel i would say i'm daniel because of uh, exactly how history nerd he is in this yeah, episode yeah that's pretty much what kind of led me down that road too 
Honestly, it's not that Jack did anything that was... Jack was fine. Like, he just didn't do anything that really stood out as something I would associate and with. And Daniel, I liked his go-to line of, um, you know, we... I forgot exactly what he said, but he mentions the bliss of Seth, and I like how he uh, really thought on his feet there, and that's the kind of uh, horse shit I would have, you know, yeah, I would right? have out. Oh, I loved his bullshit. Also, he, uh... He just put that extra little spin on it. It was great. Right. So, uh, that is it. For this week. Yay. Fucking finally. I'm so hungry. <laughs> um, next week, we are watching episode three of season three, Fair Game. I, 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 I don't know what it is either, but Robert C. Cooper's back. Oh, shit. No, I, I, last week when I was thinking about it, I remembered which one it was, and now I can't, so that's funny. Yeah, I, gotta th- I know that Legacy is coming up, but that's all I got. Legacy is... Oh, the next episode yeah. after that. Yeah, I got nothing on Fair Game. I really don't. I mean... Oh, okay. Yeah, that one. I'll let it be a surprise. Robert C. Cooper is is pretty much always... Um, Amazing. A good time, though. Yeah, I'm, so. not, I'm not worried. Ooh, and we're about to get a new female writer, too. Oh, yeah? Who? Heather Ash. Yeah, I want to say... I really... I, one of these days, these names are going to start to sound familiar. I've started paying attention way more when I watch shit, but... That day is not today. Heather Ash wrote Learning Curve. Oh, okay. Well, that was not bad, so. And Foothold. Yeah, that should be good. I'm not worried. Yeah. Yay. All right, let's do this shit. So, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at It's Mel Not Liss or our podcast Twitter at Point of Origin PC. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. Bye.